Albuquerque's macro aggression. Eddie Aragon, the rock of talk. Four oh five Monday afternoon. I'm Eddie Aragon. On the Rock of Talk on AM 100, KIVABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com, 550-5500, right here in the Kiva. is the number to call this afternoon, broadcasting from the Plymouth Hotel in Miami Beach, Florida. Glad to be here. Wish you were here. You can see my Pink Floyd shirt right here. Wish D. Dowd Musco is here as well. Dowd just telling me he just had one of the best weekends of his life. Real good TV Amazon Fire, Apple TV. Don't forget, you can podcast us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify. And you can download the app directly at rockoftalk.tv, rockoftalk.com. And why not watch us on rockoftalk.tv, where I am uh, broadcasting from the Plymouth Hotel. Great hospitality down here in uh, Miami. Met the owners of the hotel as well, and that is pretty cool. Lots of nice people. I guess we're in a recession. I didn't know that, but uh, I'm glad that everybody let us know that we're in a recession uh, going forward. D-Dowd Musk, Hour 1, a lot of Fun. How are you, sir? Uh, very, very well. Uh, no, no, no lie on my good weekend. Of course, we had uh, Friday <clears throat> off, and I got to spend a lot of time with my my English cream golden retrievers. Big, big week for the Muska family. The the parental units uh, this weekend just celebrated the fifty sixth anniversary. Uh, and my nephew is coming up on his big 18th birthday, so everybody's alive, uh, alive and well. And I will thank our listener for sending me. The book that I came in on Saturday to pick up, I had to wade my way, Eddie, through uh, 1,300 children. There were street urchins as the uh, as Natalie and Jaybird were broadcasting. There was it was like in Calcutta, you know, you just have to push your way yes. through all the kids. Um, yes. And I got to pick up my book, which is the Roswell Deception and the Demystification of World War II. I'm looking very forward to reading this sucker. So, uh, the, uh, by the way, the Calcutta without the rickshaws. No rickshaws in the Kiva. No rickshaws. No, 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 no. no, So I'm glad we don't have that uh, going on. Lots to get to here on this afternoon's edition of the Rock of Talk. Um, Happened to have scheduled this particular trip some time ago uh, when trip booking was a hell of a lot cheaper than it is now. Uh, Inflation obviously getting to us. We've got to get to those conversations. It's not good, folks. Uh, Not sure how much longer you're going to be able to travel at these Increased rates uh, as well. What eight and a half, nine percent in terms of the inflation. Lots of feedback from Friday, uh, Dowd, and you know I don't know that anybody was really prepared for the snake venom uh, conversation, but it was there, folks, and uh, we were listening to it. And I listened the entire way. And if you want to go ahead and uh, talk a little bit about that, love to talk about that. I think there is. Uh, I don't want to say there's something to it, but um, maybe there is something to it. Uh, Alex Jones filing for bankruptcy today. Um, I was happening to listen to another corporate call. Apologize for the background noise. I'm out here on the streets of uh, Miami, but it's nice, and these people have treated me very well. But um, Alex Jones filing for bankruptcy protection, which I thought was very interesting. The truth has its cost, ladies and gentlemen, and I just want to make sure that uh, you understand that uh, this is not an easy business. Alex is somebody I know. He's somebody I'm aware of. He's on our radar, but uh, he filed for bankruptcy today for protection for InfoWars. So they will always try and silence the truth. You have to remember that. And thanks for all the wonderful people who call in and letting us know uh, if there's any audio qualities or difficulties and and uh, things like that. Don't forget, you can always uh, get the chat and the blast directly at rockoftalk.chat. That's rockoftalk.chat. Dot chat and uh, also don't forget we have Bill O'Reilly going a full hour as well. 
Uh, download the app directly at rockoftalk.tv and rockoftalk.com. Great. Uh, uh, by the way, uh, as always, Dowd has the best quotes to kick off the chat. What is remarkable is how long these beliefs and structures have prevailed in spite of the evidence of their manifold failings. And I think that that is uh, poignant, that from James Scott uh, today. And uh, as always, you get those little quips that are telling you something about something bigger, something uh, larger than just the radio show that we're uh, doing all the time. And he's always alluding to something. Happy happy 108th day of 2022, folks. 257 days left. Adult Autism Day. If you know somebody with autism, uh, it is the day. Uh, don't forget National Lineman Appreciation Day. Newspaper Columnist Day. Uh, is there even newspapers or columnists around? I think uh, both of those are non-existence. National Velociraptor Awareness Day. Yes, uh, for those of you who are Big Jurassic Park fans, I believe there's a new one um, in the works there. Uh, it is the, yeah, did you know that, Dowd? There's always a new one, right? <laughs> oh, always a new one, yeah, the, the sequels uh, that come in. Uh, International Amateur Radio Day, uh, I guess that's a day for us since we're the big amateurs. International Day for Monuments, as well as International Jugglers Day, and we appreciate everybody uh, tuning in. Another blast that uh, comes out. I uh, have reached out to, <clears throat> no, I'm just going to say this. Because I think it's important to be aware of the type of political climate that we live in. And, you know, I was looking at the, um, what is it, the commissioner, Bernalillo County commissioner's race. And one of the candidates uh, called me this morning and asked me if I could help him or her. And I have to say, like, immediately, like, no. Um, one of the things that we have not done, I think, a very good job of in the political arena, and uh, hopefully I'm coming loud and clear here on this uh, wonderful Monday, is that we have run too many candidates who have been running against other conservatives. We're seeing that in a gubernatorial race, and we're seeing that now in the Bernalillo County's race uh, for a county commissioner. Wouldn't it be better if we whittled it down to one candidate or two candidates in each of these races, if there's a primary, so that way we can conserve our resources and make sure that we have our, we give ourselves the best opportunity to win, wouldn't that be like the best outcome at all? In my opinion, yes. And, you know, I think the Bernalillo County Commissioner's race has three people, and there is a very good candidate. And without, uh, I've never met the man, never talked to him. The guy's name is uh, Wayne Yavoli. And I would encourage you, based upon the amount of money that he's raised and the people who are helping him with his campaign and the type of technocrat that he can be, that I would encourage uh, you uh, to get behind uh, Wayne Yavoli in so much as I know about him. His, his wife has a connection to the commercial real estate market. I think that's important. As you all know, uh, one of my good friends, one, uh, Lonnie Talbert, who recently picked up and moved to these sunny parts of Florida and I think served and was termed out uh, for a time before he became president of the uh, council, or I should say commission for the last uh, year. I think that's the way it works. It's inevitably they'll give you the, the president of the commission on your way out. But long story short, I would just encourage you Republicans to do what you can to get behind, to unify behind one person and the strongest person who has that. We have a limited amount of resources that we can raise. Obviously, Michelle Lujan Grisham posting those big numbers uh, for 
for her gubernatorial race. And she's going to have an easy go of it as long as these political candidates who don't really have a chance in the governor's race continue to stay in the race. And I would say the same thing for the county commissioner's race or any other primary that happens to be out there. This is not something where we need to make each other e easier on. Uh, I wish the party, and I'm doubt I know that you're not political in this realm whatsoever, but I would just say that we want our candidates conserve their resources and to try and limit the amount of attacks uh, sort of on one another. I don't think it really helps anybody. Obviously, you know, Rebecca Dow's raised a significant amount of money as much as Dow, you know, really doesn't like her policy positions and nor do I. Um, but we do have to put somebody else in the in the governor's uh, seat besides Michelle Lujan Grisham, because I don't know that anybody could really listen, you know, or exist through four more years. You know, I talk to people out here on the road, Dowd, and I think that, you know, you'd find this interesting. And they don't really know what's going on in New Mexico. They don't know that we've been the most shut down. They don't know that, you know, we are the most economically dependent. They don't realize all these things. I start talking to people. I've talked to a guy from Birmingham City, uh, England today. I talked to another uh, couple that is in Oklahoma and they've all, they all say the same thing about New Mexico. Talk to somebody else. Uh, the, the people who help run this uh, hotel are hailing from Wisconsin. And everybody has been through New Mexico. Nobody stays here. And there is a reason for that is because we don't give people a reason to stay in New Mexico. And we get out and you start talking to people and you ask them, hey, what's going on? What should I do? What could I do? Um, you know, hey, is there something? They all mention Santa Fe, but they mention Santa Fe as sort of like an in passing interest. They never mention as something they want to stay. And, you know, I want to tell all these wonderful people it's like, yeah, Miami Beach is great. But have you seen New Mexico? Yeah, Miami Beach is great. Or, you know, Arizona is great. Or Oklahoma is great. Or Colorado. Colorado is great or, you know, Nevada is great or California is great. But have you seen New Mexico? And we don't have a compelling reason to tell people to be in the state of New Mexico. People in New Mexico, uh, or I should say people from other places, basically think that people go to New Mexico to like no longer exist or, you know, sort of escape from something else. And we used to have that feeling, I know, doubt you did, when you lived in Las Vegas, Nevada, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I got to tell you, like when we start looking at, you know, the 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 state of New Mexico, it's like we don't want it to be a place where people end up or try to escape. We want it to be a place where people finally come to establish roots. And I think it's harder and harder to do it when we have the tax structure that we want. I'm in DeSantis land. This guy couldn't get any more laudable uh, opinions from the people who live in his state and the people who come to visit the state. And Miami, it's anything folks anything but in a recession these people are spending money like you cannot believe and i'm feeling hey i'm the poor guy here <laughs> it's really kind of incredible uh, the things that are happening here in the uh, state of florida and particularly in the city of miami things are booming and uh, it is incredible as you guys are getting out and about thinking about places to go and to go spend your money and places to visit florida is naturally going to be one of those places where you're going to inevitably want to go to because it's open people are coming in coming out you don't see any masks the people that do have masks is because they're germaphones but this germaphobes i should say but aside from that you just don't see much of that and so as we encourage you to kind of open up the spigots and travel and traverse the entire country folks there are just other places that are open and i know we're starting to sort of hedge into this uh, new lockdown that's going forward um in places like philadelphia and i believe Dow, there's probably some other places probably since i've left the news for the last
few days uh, that have decided to go ahead and probably start, start turn the screws on their own populations and decide to shut down uh, once again. But folks, we just want to, you know, turn New Mexico around. The best way we can do that is to force these candidates who don't have a chance in the general election to exit the race as quickly as possible so we don't can utilize our resources towards attacking the guys that are basically on the same side of the sidelines. And I think we see that uh, once too often. In fact, Wayne Yavoli has um, outraised one of his competitors by 15 times. And I think the other female candidate uh, who is in the race for uh, Bernalillo County Commission uh, race number five or seat number five, I think that's what it is. Uh, I think she lent herself 10000 and raised like $400. Like you aren't going to win anything out of that. And how are you going to change a city or a county commission? Or how are you going to change a, a state if you can't raise money and get people to, you know, depart with a little bit of money towards your campaign? It's just not going to happen. So I think that that's just some uh, wise words that I'd like to share uh, as we kick off this Monday edition here in the Kiva. Doubt set the rest of the show up. I know we can pay attention to all the things that are on blast, but I know you also had a... Um, release uh, that came out today on uh, Monday, as you do every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. For subscribers at rockoftalk.chat, you guys will get that directly in your inbox. inbox um, but uh, doubt it, if you don't mind sharing it with us. Uh, yeah, your uh, your inbox uh, can bark. It can be an inbark uh, when I'm barking uh, at someone who deserves <laughs> to be barked at. Um, uh, so we're gonna we're, we're gonna have we're gonna get to that. We're gonna talk a little Rona. Uh, I'm sorry to say, Eddie, I'm looking online in uh, Columbia University, my alma mater, George Washington, Georgetown, Johns Hopkins, all reimposing their mask mandates. That's just a a quick look at that. Uh, we're gonna do some uh, mind control. We're gonna talk about mind control in terms of your children, and uh, one high school that was asking the kids about their parents' jobs, their parents' politics, their parents' mental health, kind of uh, spooky, 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 spooky stuff. Uh, a little politics, Republican Party. When we when we first come back, Eddie, I want to talk about my experiences talking to the Republican gubernatorial campaigns and their seeming inability to get back to me on my list of 10 questions that I have for them. All, all I want to do is get their answers on 10 questions, and I haven't, I've only heard back from one of the five candidates, so not, not very impressive uh, there. Uh, and then, of course, my piece today uh, regarding a little esoteric, but I think it explains a lot about where New Mexico is and kind of the the, uh, the wishful thinking of our of our elites in this state versus reality as it relates to some of our Pentagon assets. So uh, it's going to be a wide ranging show, and I hope everybody had a good Easter weekend. God knows I did, and uh, Mr. Aragon looks like he's in a warm, sunny hospitable place. I think he seems to be in a pretty good mood, too. I uh, am. Yeah, I'm in a great mood, and I'm glad to be here with you. And I think let's uh, get off what those 10 questions are. Which gubernatorial candidates have not responded, and we'll see the one who has. And we'll do that all when we return. It's going to be a surprise for me. It's a surprise for you. I'm broadcasting live from Miami Beach here at the Plymouth Hotel on the corner of, what am I, 21st and Park, I believe, uh, right here in the Kiva, by way of AM 1600 KIVAB. Q.FM, rockoftalk.com. Eric handling the duties uh, duty uh, duties in studio there. We appreciate uh, everybody for tuning in here on this uh, beautiful Monday edition. Tell. Heaven from hell 
blue skies from pain Can you tell a green field From a cold steel rail A smile from a veil Do you think you can tell Did they get you to train All right, 426 here in the Kiva. Thanks for joining us here on this Monday edition. Glad to be here with you. I was just looking up the Wikipedia page of the, and you, all you have to do is Google it. You, you look at the Republican or gubernatorial race for New Mexico. You couldn't have picked worse pictures for each of the candidates. So if you wiki it, we're about to get into this conversation with Dowd uh, on, you know, essentially who's responded and who hasn't. They still have businessman Louis Sanchez in from Albuquerque in the gubernatorial race. That's still in there. I mean, people, and, and then it says Karen Bedoni withdrew. She's running as a libertarian. So that that's there. The guy who actually won, well, by virtue of the fact that he placed first in the Republican Party, um, you know, I, whatever you, what, what do you call that, Dowd, when all the Republicans, get together do you call i call that losing yes when all the republicans get together we call that losing uh, at the gubernatorial uh, or the state uh, convention and they have what might be the worst picture of rebecca dow and ethel maharge and mark ronchetti and louis sanchez that i've ever seen in my life uh, for each of them this is why you as and, and this would be a let let this be a lesson to you this would be the very first thing the Republican Party of New Mexico should be working on is making sure that that information on that Wikipedia page looks good. It's about marketing. It's about branding. It's about making sure that you have the ability to win because Michelle Lujan Grisham, boy, she looks stateswoman like you see her as the governor. And Dowd, uh, tell me, am I lying on any of this stuff? You see the it's page. It's even worse than you described. Eddie. It's even worse. It is. And I, and I think I'm being nice about this. Like, what is wrong with you Republicans? You know, I should say, what's wrong with us Republicans? Because I'm sitting here trying to, like, I'm in a Republican state. And if you look up, look, Governor DeSantis, I'll just look it up real quick. Governor DeSantis. And the first thing that's going to come up is what? What's the first thing that's come up? The wiki page, Florida governor. And then immediately before that is Ron DeSantis. Okay. My gosh. Good looking, the American flag behind him, assumed office, a full thing, early life and education, military service. Do you know how cheap it is to, to edit a wiki page? Do you know how cheap it is? It's called free. Yep. For those of you who are lazy, it's free. Okay. User-friendly, you can do it in a couple seconds. You can literally log into the page and change your image on the website. And if you can't do that, you cannot run for office. You know, the only person there that actually uh, has changed his entire wiki page and everything 
Yeah, is uh, Greg Zanetti. He has a wiki page. Like I, I'm, I, I'm, I venture to ask why a guy I'm like I don't care, Mark Ronchetti, how much money you've raised if your wiki page looks like total crap. Have you seen the wiki page for 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 Mark Ronchetti? Like you're trying to run, and here's Greg Zanetti, top to bottom with links, everything. And then I go back and I look at the, am I, please doubt, tell me if I'm wrong on any of this stuff. I go, former KRQE meteorologist, his whole entire thing. And I've got no wiki page. Nothing at all. No wiki page that exists for a guy that has $2.1 million. How are you going to run for governor if you don't have a Wikipedia page? Anyway, I digress. Dowd, uh, lay it on us. Ten questions and who responded and who didn't? Well, you're you're hitting you're hitting uh, on something that I've been dealing with since last night, Eddie. And I, I will tell the gubernatorial uh, hopefuls they still have time, but you need to actually answer your email. Uh, that's kind of part of running a professional campaign. In addition to being aware of how people learn about you from things like Wikipedia, um, I, I did a, I did ten questions, and we can we can read them uh, late last year. I put them up on our our website that that and explained to our subscribers that's. The questions we would be submitting to the candidates when the candidate when the paperwork was all filed after the after the primary I mean after the convention so when we're they were all on the ballot and so uh, I should have done it a little earlier but last night I started sending the questions out to the real honest to gosh candidates and uh, we'll we'll get to those in a second uh, one of the things that immediately struck me Eddie was how only one candidate has a media contact on their website and I'm not trying to make some distinction between media people and the general public, but it's good to have a dedicated person, a dedicated phone, a dedicated email address for people in the media, because oftentimes we have deadlines, we're pressed for time, we need to get an answer quickly. Uh, a, a possible constituent, somebody can maybe wait 24 hours or a week for an answer, or uh, they, can, they can be referred to another volunteer who can come to their house and bring signs. I'm not saying people in the media matter more than other people, but if you're a candidate and you're out there, you know, politics is about addition, not subtraction. You want to get as much free ink, as much free airtime as you can out there. And my email was basically, we're not going to edit your responses. We just want answers to these 10 questions. And I give you my word. We're not going to edit the response to make you look bad or good or whatever. Here, here are the questions. And four of these people just have a general contact form on their website. There's no dedicated media contact, uh, which is, you know, I've worked for a campaign. I've, I've dealt with a lot of campaign people. It's just something you need to do. I'm not saying I'm a better person. I'm not saying I'm a more important person. But a little bit of a division of labor within the campaign is good. You need somebody who's your full-time media person. Um, only one. Only one candidate has a full-time media person with a dedicated email address. And that would be, of course, Mr. Ron Ketty with his uh, vast, vast sums uh, of money. So I contacted that person. Haven't, haven't heard back from them. I uh, haven't heard back from uh, Ethel Maharg. I uh, have not heard back from Rebecca Dow. That, Ethel House has like thirteen thousand dollars. Okay. You cannot somebody... be take. You cannot be taken as a serious gubernatorial candidate with thirteen thousand dollars. Okay. Okay. What? You what? Give, what? You got to check your email, though. No matter how serious you are, you got to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and if you can't respond to an email and you have inbound phone calls and you think that it's going to come directly from me, just like Dowdy handles all that kind of stuff, these are the types of things that you actually have, and we have to give everybody. I'm remember, I'm the media, regardless of my relationships and all mm -hmm. this kind of stuff. 
You've you got to compete at a very high level. How is it that Michelle Lujan Grisham has a hotline, has a phone number, has a media contact, has press releases, has all her stuff, everything in a row? If you cannot get that, the lead of that set, set up, you cannot compete. It's just the way that it is. And, and also, I mean, Eddie, our audience, and we have a, 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 an over-the-air audience, we have a digital audio audience, we have our website subscribers, I mean... Our kind of people, there's a lot of registered Republicans, a lot of people who can vote in that primary. Uh, you know, I, I, again, not to make myself more important, but the Weekly Shoppers newsletter in Raton, New Mexico, you know, we probably need to call back quicker than the Weekly Shoppers newsletter in Raton, New Mexico. I mean, we, we do have a, a platform here. So not impressed. Uh, the only person of, of all five who got back to me and got back to me within seconds was Jay Block. Uh, he, he got back to me. Uh, the email I sent to all the candidates, uh, this was the exact message. Please respond by Thursday evening, the 21st. We plan to publish unedited responses from all candidates who respond to our website the following day, Friday, the 22nd. We will also be discussing your responses on the air as well. So uh, not impressed with what I've seen uh, in terms of interacting with us, Eddie. I, I, if you're interested, I can give people the 10 questions. They're, they're not accusatory they're not nasty questions they're mostly just sort of open-ended questions um number one the party's 2018 nominee for governor republican party uh lost to his democratic opponent the current incumbent michelle Lujan grisham by more than 14 points why did his messaging and policy positions fail to connect with voters yeah and that would be steve pierce uh, i want to make sure we identify people by name we got to start holding our republicans accountable um and and I love Steve Pierce, you know, I, everybody knows how I feel about Steve Pierce, despite running against him and everything else, but he got his ass kicked yeah. by 14 points and his name should be stated as such. And there's a reason why he's not running for Republican or for the Republican nomination. I think that that's important. It's incumbent upon us to remind everybody what happened the prior times, 2018, 2014, 2010, you know, when was the last time that we won? It was 2010 and 2014 under Jay McCluskey. Uh, keep going. Yeah, uh, and, and again, I, I left Steve Pierce out of that because I didn't want to make it about personalities. I just wanted to probe the minds of these candidates and say, hey, last time it really didn't go well. Uh, and last time it was all about how we're going to give teachers more money and subsidize Hollywood more. You know, do you carve out some distinction between that failed message? Uh, number two, broadly speaking, open-ended, has the federal government's dominant presence in the land of enchantment been a driver of economic growth or a millstone that keeps the state dependent on D.C.? I like that. That's a good question, Dad. That's very, straight very, straight. very, very good. It's very straightforward. And, and again, we're we're gonna we're gonna run the responses. Maybe they'll say somewhere in between. You know, maybe maybe they'll have a subtle answer. Whatever. Uh, number three, a 2014 analysis by the American Enterprise Institute found that the compensation packages pay, benefits, job security, of state bureaucrats significantly surpass what private sector employees offer for uh, to similarly skilled employees. Will you appoint a commission to study the pay and benefits disparity and outline reforms, including, if necessary, the repeal of unionism in the government sector to bring compensation fairness to New Mexico? Republicans never talk about that issue. It's, it's something that yeah. me. Uh, number four, something Eddie and I talk about a lot and something they're trying to do in Mississippi and even possibly Oklahoma right next door. Do you favor the phasing out of New Mexico's income tax? Oh, wow. That would be great. Or do you know anything about what happened in Mississippi this year? I think that is a story. If a gubernatorial candidate, Dowd, could mm -hmm. tell us 
what was happening with regard to Mississippi and what they were trying to get through and how it failed and why, oh, I'd be very impressed with that candidate. But I, I guarantee not a single candidate can tell me the answers to any of those questions. Uh, well, one of the reasons they might not know the answers, Eddie, is because, uh, to my knowledge, none of the candidates subscribe to rockoftalk.chat, which has covered the Mississippi income tax repeal attempt uh, extensively. Number five, uh, I, I, again, I don't get into names. In 2019, eight Republican state senators voted for the Energy Transition Act. Government mandates for green power have been shown to drive the price of electricity higher. One recent study by the University of Chicago found a 12-year rate hike of 17%. Were your fellow Republicans in the Senate wrong to vote for the Energy Transition Act? You're going to ask for a Republican to explicitly attack another Republican? What's down? What what kind of what kind of questionnaire is this? Should I even be should I even be paying attention? Folks, we're literally giving you the roadmap of what it's going to take for a Republican to be successful. I can tell you right out of the uh, no pun intended here block jay has told me going back i was just looking at my notes he has stated that he would subscribe to my knowledge dowd only one candidate in any of the races has subscribed directly to rock of talk chat and that would be one louis sanchez as oh, well as his wife of course louis all i know all right so we're halfway in we're halfway down the countdown ladies and gentlemen coming in at number six a question I'm sure most candidates have no answer for. Again, not making this personal. Number six, name three state programs, agencies, departments, or commissions you would eliminate as governor. Oh, God, that, that's my favorite question right there. Yeah. You know me, what, I literally walked into the mayor's race stating that I would eliminate, you know, the Office of Diversity oh, and Inclusion, yeah. like, immediately. Oh, man, uh, dude, what, what is an Office of Diversity and Inclusion? Anyway, that's a great question. Love to see the response to that. Uh, candidates, uh, today is the 18th. You have until Thursday at midnight to go ahead and get that in, which we will do the big reveal of all these answers on uh, Friday. And if you don't reply, we'll let people know that you didn't reply. If you do reply, we're just going to run your – I'm not going to do any editing. So if there's any typos, it's going to be on your – if it's if it's an answer that's better than anything I could come up with, it's going to make me look foolish. So uh, we're going to run it as is, and we're going to name names if people don't reply. Uh, number seven, many Republicans in the legislature have been enthusiastic supporters of Spaceport America. In a state with some of the worst socioeconomic outcomes in the nation – was it wise to hand a billionaire more than $200 million in taxpayer revenue to support his highly speculative, quote unquote, business? Bravo. Love that question. We, 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 all, we all know that we love that question in the Kiva. All right. Continue. Last three. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't leave it out. Number eight. Is it proper, and, and, and me, D. Dowd Muska, I have done a lot of research on this. Number eight. Is it proper for local, state, and quasi-government entities to use taxpayer dollars to influence the legislature either directly or through hired lobbyists. Uh, that is pervasive in New Mexico. So that's um, Republicans are usually AWOL on that. Uh, number nine, I know where Mr. Block stands on this, uh, and I'm sure another candidate has thoughts on this. Should critical race theory be banned in New Mexico government education? Very good. All right. Uh, and the last and one. Coming in at number 10 on the countdown. The Legislative Finance Committee in a 2017 report found that New Mexicans have, quote, approximately 77 physical points of access to higher education throughout the state. 
close quote. Is the state's government university complex out of control? And given the system's dismal graduation rates, shouldn't fewer New Mexicans be going to college? There it is, folks, your top 10 uh, questions there for the gubernatorial candidates. And uh, Dowd will uh, put all that stuff out on his blast and get that out. But we'll have, of course, the responses to that on uh, Friday's edition. Um, candidates, well, you guys have a few more days. Do you think it's fair for me to give them, let's see, was it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? I gave them four days to respond. Um, is that too much time, too little I think it's fair. Yeah. Okay. I mean, whatever it is that, that you decide ultimately in terms of, I mean, no one's going to whip that kind of stuff out, but the fact that Jay Block responded immediately to that and, okay. you know, as having the apparatus that we have here to broadcast this information, I think it's important. Um, you know, I didn't receive any kind of response back. I received two responses back, both from Dow and Zanetti. I almost received nothing from, from Jay at all. Um, again, remember, we're the media folks. We don't give a crap about how you come out or whether we're doing this or that. But we do care about how much money you make and where you stand on issues. And then how much money you are able to raise and make uh, during your campaign is of vital importance in order for you to be competitive and to win. And if you can't do that, in my opinion, you shouldn't be in the race. So I'd like to get those questions answered as well. I've got a, another question for them, but I think we can wait for all of those to come out. Uh, how about just updating your wiki page? That would be good enough uh, for me. The 2020 United States. Yeah, that's a good place to start. Uh, the reason why Mark Ranchetti has an updated wiki page, um, even though he has a terrible picture, uh, they, they make him look like a school kid next to statesman Ben Ray Lujan. Like, I at least know that Mark Ronchetti would be much more preferred than Ben Ray Lawn, but it's all about marketing. It's about branding. It's about making sure that you have the right public persona. And right now, the Republicans do not care about that. They're more interested in sort of just tearing each other down. Michelle Lujan Grisham looks good. Ben Ray Lujan looks good. If I were to look at, let's say, Martin Heinrich, I'm sure that uh, Martine Heinrich um, and I'm looking it up right now, uh, Dowd. If I were to look at his wiki page, which is the very first thing that comes up, yeah, Martin Heinrich, there it is, Wikipedia, boy. October 17th, 1971, top to bottom. This guy looks every bit as good as you think he looks, um, and that's a sitting U.S. senator. You can't make Mark Ronchetti running around in a sweatsuit jogger uh, become the next governor of the state of New Mexico. Does that make any sense to anybody? So we'll hit a break. We'll ring it back to wrap the hour. Thanks everybody for tuning in right here in the Kiva. AM 600 KIVABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com, and broadcasting from the Plymouth Hotel on Miami Beach, where the uh, owners have given me the, uh, the graciousness and the courtesy to uh, be able to broadcast uh, right outside. And you can hear a little bit of that stuff in the background. Currently, uh, local time at uh, 645 back in home. It's uh, 445. We appreciate everybody tuning in back and forth. Thanks for listening.
This is Eddie Aragon, the Rock of Talk. All right, uh, 4.48 here at the Kiva. I got to say, that's what happens when I'm away is the automation has been going down like crazy. So that's what happened to Eric while he's back in studio. Eric, uh, are you there? You can go ahead and uh, crank up your microphone. Yeah. There. I, I, every single thing that could be possibly thrown at the Kiva has been thrown at the Kiva. I mean, it is amazing. Remember when they tore our transmitter down? Remember when they went after our FM station? Remember the, the, the board blowing up? Like, you guys don't realize, like, how difficult it can be to broadcast. And here we are now, you know, as I'm away, the automation going down in the middle of the show. So just rare, like, little things. But we keep persisting uh, on 550, 5500. That's 550, 5500 if you want to go ahead and, and text in. Uh, very cool um, that we sound so good. Uh, <clears throat> okay, so let me tell you what's not going to help. And I just got a text message. See this rah-rah cheerleading stuff that you guys do? Please tell us again where Mark Ronchetti got all his campaign monies. You know what? Money talks. It doesn't matter where he got it and however he got it. But let me tell you what's not going, what's totally illegal. What's totally effing illegal is using a GoFundMe account to raise money for your campaign of any kind. Do you realize how incredibly illegal that is? Like, it breaks literally every campaign finance violation there is. You cannot use a GoFundMe account <laughs> to raise money for your campaign. I literally got, I'm not even kidding. One of the, the guys who's running, you got to listen to this, Dowd. I got, I literally, he called me this morning for some help with his campaign. He's like, are you going to help me? I'm like, okay, well, let me go look at this thing. Like, you need to, what are you doing? You're wasting my time. Do not waste my time. Please. And I go and I look at it. His last name is spelled wrong on the campaign account. I'm not making this up, folks. Oh, my. Oh, okay. In addition to that, he has a GoFundMe account. What else do I need to tell you? Is a person like that capable of getting the quote-unquote public trust so you could win a campaign? I don't know anybody who ran a better campaign than the one that we ran for mayor in as quick as a time. And if you attribute it to name recognition or whatever, that campaign was so incredibly clean, it was insane. My campaign was hit with two ethics violations on day one. And we were ready for it. You need a lawyer. You need an attorney, right? Before you even get started on anything, knowing that you're going to go in... You're going to tell me if you can't get your own name right on your own campaign website, uh, we're going to have a campaign launch for you. Like, just embarrassing stuff, folks. This is ridiculous, okay? And I'm sick and tired of having to educate. Mark Ronchetti's got the best campaign manager, period. I don't care if you like him or if you don't like him. We have some good people here from Oklahoma where a lot of you guys probably want to go here this weekend. But let me tell you, it's kind of amazing to me. 
It's kind of amazing to me how many of you guys badmouth Mark Ronchetti. I know why I badmouth him. It has nothing to do with the fact that he's ready. I'm not going to badmouth his money. You think I'm going to say, oh, well, Mark Ronchetti, he's, he's terrible. Well, he's not my candidate. He's not the first guy that I would go with. But money talks. You know, Rebecca Dow, she wouldn't be the first one I'd go with, but she's got a million bucks, and the woman can flat out talk. And you know that she's not intimidated by Michelle Lujan Grisham. Like, that means something, folks. And having campaign launches and PR releases and raising money and telling people that, hey, you know what? We can win. Yeah, raising money proves to me that you can win this race. Remember, when I ran for mayor, I believe we had about $150,000 that was all just sort of coming in from random places. We didn't ask for a single dollar of that, and we got 20% with 13 days, 30 days into a race without any push on early voting. What do you think can happen next time when we're actually organized and we're actually ready to run, if I'm ever ready to run for something like that? We could win that race. Do I want to do that? No, it's not something I'm not interested in. Okay? But we've got to get these guys that are on the sidelines. I ran inside the party. I ran. I mean, these are things that we can definitely do. But you can't do them if you can't get your name right on your own campaign site. So here's what doesn't work. Please tell us again where Mark Ronchetti got all his campaign money. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you cheering for somebody that has $13,000? Maybe somebody that only has like $10,000 on hand. Is that what you're doing? You really think you're going to win with that horse in this race? We're talking about Michelle Lujan Grisham. We're talking about as big, well, you know, figuratively speaking, <laughs> as big as it gets. The woman is a behemoth. She raises money. She does public speaking. She gets people to like her. And she rules with an iron fist because she can. And if you're behind a candidate that has $13,000, only has $10,000 or $20,000 in the bank, you are with the wrong person. Period. New Mexico needs to get its active. Ron DeSantis. Doubt. I'm just going to throw something at you here. <laughs> I'm just going to, just for old SNGs over here. Ron DeSantis will be your next president of this country. It won't be Donald Trump. Even the people in Florida know it's going to be DeSantis. DeSantis, all he has to do is run, and there's going to be a Latina governor. Because a year in, he gets to go ahead and run. And how many, how many seats is Florida going to move to? I believe they've got 28 congressional seats out, if I'm not mistaken. When you look at the overall map of everything in this country, and you go on red states versus blue states, What's the one state you have to win? It's Florida, folks. That's how Ron DeSantis is going to be. That guy's running around with Secret Service all over the place. Do you know how much money he has in his slush fund that he does not have to spend? And not, not one little person will challenge him within his party because there's a pecking order. Because they do it right, they do it clean, and they don't put up with the BS of the party leaders, leadership. They don't indulge that whatsoever. And that is absolutely key. And I wish we could get more and more people in the New Mexico Republican Party to adhere to that. Right now, as far as I'm concerned, when you look at this race, I mean, this gubernatorial race should be whittled down to three people. In the next week, which they have seven days to go ahead and get out, maybe it should be whittled down to two. 
Okay. I don't know that to be for sure because there's some late money coming in, but I want to know who that's going to be and where everybody else is going to be throwing their way. Ethel Maharj, I'm getting calls all the time to go ahead and get behind her campaign. Ethel's a great person. I love Ethel. I think she's a wonderful human being. I love her cause. I love what she's doing. But does she belong in the race at this point with $13,000 against Michelle Lujan? On what planet are you having this election on? Because it's not planet Earth, okay? That, that's, a, that's a dream world that does not exist. Ethel Maharch has no business in the gubernatorial race. Karen Bedoni, for the very same reason, doesn't deserve to be in this race, even though she said she's a lifelong Republican, now is going to be a libertarian. Well, you know, as much as I love Karen Bedoni, everybody knows how much I love Karen Bedoni. Does she deserve to be in this race? Move out of the way. You have to understand you're talking about running what is the largest, one of the largest land funds in the entire country, going for one of the most heralded political positions in the entire state and going up against the Democrat machinery at 47% registration. And you're going to tell me you're going to win that with $13,000 or you're going to win that with oh, like Jay block. He has $10,000 or $20,000 in the bank. What are you doing? Exactly. What are you doing? How could you possibly run for the governor of the state of New Mexico with that kind of money? You can't do anything. Okay. If you don't have six figures in the bank account, you don't do it. It's just as simple as that. And right now, the money is on Ronchetti, the money is on Dow, and uh, to a lesser degree, uh, Greg Zanetti. Everybody knows how I feel about Greg Zanetti, but right now, the only one that seems to be as fearless as can be is one Rebecca Dow. The woman will challenge anything. She needs to answer your questions. I'm interested to see who's going to answer your questions, Dowd. And I think that that's absolutely key in order to go ahead and, and get across the uh, the finish line. Here, let me read a couple of your other texts. Uh, let's see. Oh, go snook fishing. If any of the baby, I'm not going to go fishing. I can tell you that much. Okay. I do have to work and I'm doing some other stuff here. Uh, Eddie, I love Florida. No camping there. Bugs will eat you. Make a road trip to Key West. I wanted to, but I'm not going to be able to do that. Eddie, if you're in Florida, you have to have some groper. Grouper, groper, it's groper. Uh, it may be a little bit early in the season because the fish don't arrive into the waters. Temperatures are warm, but the fish is delish. This, I'll say the full word because it's just a. Please tell us again where Mark Ronchetti gets his campaign funds. You know what? Money talks. He got his money wherever he and wherever Jay McCluskey gets his money. Does it matter? You'd vote for Jay McCluskey a thousand times before you vote for Michelle Lujan Grisham, right? And. For Jay, for, for Jay McCluskey, that happens to me and Mark Ronchetti. And by the way, Mark Ronchetti running around saying that he's raised that amount of money, it's not it's not his money or his contact. So you should be absolutely clear about that. Let's see. Friday's show about snake venom and coronavirus. Ooh, you want you want that, huh? Uh, Eddie, it's a Jurassic Park movie every day with the dinosaur in the White House. That's from the Hot Sauce Man. And uh, you know, light on the text today, only about uh, seven or eight. That's a that's a new one there. We appreciate everybody tuning in. We'll hit the top of the hour Fox News, or excuse me, top of the hour news right here in the Kiva on AM sixteen hundred KIVABQ.FM, RockofTalk.com. We appreciate everybody tuning in. Hour two just for you. And I know we've got a lot of other stuff that is uh, coming up, and I doubt we'll have all that lined up. Thanks for listening.
that vibrant. Albuquerque's macro aggression. 505 in the 505. I am Eddie on the Rock of Talk on AM 1600 KIVA, BQ.FM, rockoftalk.com. Hour two coming at you. I'm here from the Plymouth Hotel in Miami Beach. Roku TV, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, podcasting on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify. And don't forget, you can download our apps at rockoftalk.tv, rockoftalk.com. And I know that Dowd was as upset about that story out of New York City as I was. It's just very difficult to process that stuff. And, you know, when I talk to people about events, no matter where they're from or what they're doing, uh, these sort of personal stories that end up happening like that are the, some of the worst. And uh, finding a 51-year-old uh, woman uh, dead, cut up in a duffel bag is just about as worst as it gets. So I appreciate uh, when people like tune into that stuff, they hear that. And that's uh, you talk about human interest of all the things that are in the world. Those are some of the worst stories uh, that are out there. D. Dowd Muska, I know that we put out uh, all of our questions. It was an hour dedicated to the gubernatorial race, which um, if you're a gubernatorial candidate, you have seven days to get in. Do we want Republicans to win? Uh, or don't we? Uh, you have seven days to decide that, and I believe it's a week from today is the uh, time that they have allowed before making a determination whether or not their campaign has life. We talked about Republicans were running against other Republicans and uniting against, uh, you know, the other side, uh, so to speak. They certainly do that here. Uh, Dowd, I wasn't sure if you had come up with it or not, but uh, the gubernatorial candidacy, <laughs> 505 and the 305, I am in the 305. Um, uh, DeSantis, uh, how much money does he have? Did you happen to look that up and see where he was at in terms of the uh, funding? Because again, folks, we're talking about running for governor of the state of New Mexico. You've got to have money. Without money, it's just not going to be viable for you. And, um, you know, I think it's for any race. If you're running for a rep race, you're running a primary, you haven't raised as much as uh, some of your competitors in that race, I'd urge you to get out. Um, that's just what I can continue to to do, and I think we got to put out there. How's DeSantis looking, D-Dad Muska? Well, according to the first quarter filing with the Florida Secretary of State, most states do it the way New Mexico does it, so similar, we could compare time periods, uh, a total of 10969 Million dollars. Dollars? Oh, yes. mil. Oh, you mean millions? Million dollars. What? Uh, he has raised it millions. Major donors and grassroots voters all across oh. the country. Oh. Yep. Huh. That's fifty times what Mark Ronchetti has, but. Hey, he's our top Republican go-getter. That's uh, pretty good. That would be, I don't know, that would be 20 times what uh, Michelle Lujan Grisham has. So that's uh, pretty good. $109 million. Um, Sounds to me like that's a presidential take, wouldn't you say? I don't think Donald Trump has $109 million. If we were to look at Donald Trump's uh, amount of money that he has in the bank for uh, his uh, Trump, and remember, by the way, today is tax day, just so you know. Uh, so everybody knows that you get your your filings in today, midnight, midnight. Um, Dowd, what does it look like for Donald uh, Donald John Trump? Uh, how's he looking? Because he had to file uh, his paperwork as well. Yeah, well, I mean, you're you're comparing different things because DeSantis is raising the yes. gubernatorial campaign. Gubernatorial so race. Make, make make that make that note, uh, Mr. Trump. Where is Mr. Trump? By comparison, former President Donald Trump raised fifty one million dollars. Uh, down from 82 million in the first half of the year, and currently has 122 million on hand. 
I rest my case, folks. Uh, the guy is running for governor. He has as much money as Donald Trump running for oh, Florida. Even more significant is the fact that many of DeSantis's funders are former Trump backers, including Home Depot co-founder Bernie Marcus, WeatherTech CEO David McNeil, and billionaires Richard and Elizabeth uh, Weline. Weline? <coughs> yeah. All right. So I would just uh, I would just say at this point, Donald Trump, if you're still thinking about running for president, don't stop today. Raise money, have your rallies, go off as the greatest president in the history of this country, and I'd probably say leave it right there. How about that? Well, I, I am not Eddie good. Aragon's press agent by any means, but uh, I will note for the audience that Eddie was saying this months ago. He's, I, I, this is not a he didn't just this didn't dawn on him today when the numbers came out. Uh, Eddie's been making this argument for some time. Hey, I guess uh, maybe we might know something about politics, Dowd, I guess. Maybe a little something. I don't know. Maybe speaking of politics, uh, I guess we might know a little something. All right, Dowd, set us up uh, hour two. I'm going to be listening in from the Plymouth Hotel here in uh, Miami Beach. What else we got here? Uh, by the way, wish you were here right there, 1975's Pink Floyd. There it is. Uh, well, don't wish you were here, actually. Uh, about the indoctrination of children. And uh, uh, I'm just glad Eddie was talking about DeSantis because our number one item on that list today, there's, I put out some couple of links in the Daily Blast today available at rockettalk.chat regarding the indoctrination of children in, in, in the way that DeSantis is completely unapologetic when it comes to assaulting the left, signing legislation that targets left-wing idiocy, uh, progressive woke nonsense as it relates to race, as it relates to sexuality, uh, the targeting of children. I, it gives me no pleasure to say this, but it's it, because I sound more, you know, kookier and kookier. But the more you dig into the curriculum issues regarding sexual issues, uh, con uh, critical race theory, it's obvious. It's not. It didn't happen last week or last month. This has been going on for years. As a particular line of indoctrination has been pushed toward children, and many parents are, you know, kind of out to lunch. Frankly, if your kid's in a government school, that's probably to me evidence that you are out to lunch. And, this was released Friday, uh, late late Friday over the Easter weekend, and I, I don't know if they were trying to bury the story. Frankly, I'd be extremely proud about it. Uh, the rejected textbooks that the Florida Department of Education, uh, obviously under the executive branch under Ron DeSantis, have, they have rejected uh, instructional materials that they are not properly aligned to Florida's benchmarks for excellent student thinking standards. So this is an approval process that they go through. They review all the submissions at the state level department, and they concluded through this review, 41% of the textbooks were impermissible under either Florida's new standards or they contain prohibited topics. And this is the highest percentage in Florida's history. Now, why are they rejecting these books? Reasons include references to critical race theory, inclusions of common core. I guess down in Florida, they're still they're still not buying Common Core, and I, I, I don't blame them. And the unsolicited addition of social emotional learning, SEL in mathematics. That must be the new, new, new math. Uh, the highest number of books rejected were for grade levels, no surprise here, K through five when they're youngest and they're most impressionable. That's when you got to get them. Uh, an alarming 71% were not properly aligned in that age group, K through five with Florida standards. Uh, or they included prohibited topics uh, or unsolicited strategies. Uh, despite rejecting 41% of material submitted, every core mathematics course and grade is uh, remains covered by at least one textbook, which I guess is is something. So I'm going to break down the list of, of what was rejected and, and, and why. Um, 54 of the 132 submitted textbooks were rejected. And here's the full breakdown. 
let's see, 78 of 132, so I believe that'd be more than half. Uh, they were not included on the state's adopted list. 28 were not included on the adopted list because they incorporate prohibited topics, uh, including CRT. Uh, 12 uh, are not included on the adopted list because they do not properly align to the standards, the best standards, the benchmarks for excellent student thinking. Uh, let's see, 14 not included on the adopted list because they do not properly align to those standards and they incorporated prohibited topics. So that was two strikes. And as we said, 71%, seven out of 10 of these books in K through five, the youngest of our young uns, percent uh 71 rejected six through eight only 20 percent. so some improvement there but at the high school where they try to get that last you know before you before you sign off before you get out of the government schools 35 percent of the materials were rejected now i'm interested in the quotes because desantis personnel is policy you know you've got to appoint good capable people and when you don't the whole Shooting ball, shooting wax, shooting ball of wax, shooting ball of shooting wax falls apart. Quote: This is uh, the governor himself, and then we'll get to his his uh, uh, his uh, people under him, DeSantis. It seems that some publishers attempted to slap a coat of paint on an old house built on the foundation of Common Core and indoctrinating concepts like race essentialism, especially bizarrely for elementary school students. That's uh, the, the governor himself saying that. I'm grateful that the commissioner and his team have conducted such a thorough vetting of these textbooks to ensure they comply with the law. Uh, again, Ron DeSantis, fearless. Do you think your average milk toast Republican governor rejecting a significant number of books, the minute any activist group, the minute anybody on MSNBC says, that's racism, uh, you scurry back to your hidey hole in the governor's office, and then you make sure that all those uh, all those books that were rejected end up being on the approved list. Ron DeSantis doesn't care. According to his commissioner of education, we're going to ensure that Florida has the highest quality instructional materials aligned to our nationally recognized standards. Uh, when it comes to education, other states continue to follow Florida's lead as we continue to reinforce Wait for it. Parents' rights. Reinforce parents' rights. Wow. That's just tremendous. It's so good. With a world-class education without the fear of indoctrination or exposure to dangerous and divisive concepts in our classroom. Uh, mic drop, ladies and gentlemen. Ron DeSantis does not care what his enemies think. He's trying to do the right thing. He's And he, he's picking – I mean, it's one thing to go after Eddie, somebody who's proposing a tax hike or – some stupid healthcare program. He's getting to the heart of the left's twisted brain and soul because these were people obsessed with sex and race and gender, and he doesn't care. He's kicking the books off the approved list. Um, the guy just ends up looking better and better every time I look at him. One of the things I think is important for us to realize is that this is leading the conversation nationally. And he's implementing it in a state that is literally the fastest, rapidly, most rapidly growing state as well. And so when you're doing your calculus and you're thinking about elections three years from now, if you want to do that, or you're thinking about this year, that's the conversation that you need to latch on. Not the way things were, not 2016 through 2020. When you're thinking about that, these are the types of issues that are uh, every single person out there is thinking and talking about. Critical race theory, sexualizing your children. Like these are all the things that people are having conversations right now. The economy, why is Florida right now not in a recession? 
Think about that for a second. What policies are leading the way? What are they doing? And then you have your guy. You have what you need to have. And I, I, I really kind of, you know, get kind of, um, you know, frustrated when I start talking to people. And it's like, this is a guy who's young, who's got no baggage, whose wife's been through, uh, you know, uh, cancer. And he is now currently leading the state and he's completely and totally unapologetic and without attracting any of the negativity that Trump has actually attacked. Or, or received um, with all these attacks that he gets. And where, what, uh, all I would ask you is what state does Donald Trump live in? Who runs it? And why? This is not anything that's groundbreaking, folks. You can all do the math yourself. It's all right there. And congratulations to, uh, to uh, DeSantis on continuing to push this stuff out. And I just have to continue to tell you and pound it into you guys so that you understand that there is no resurrection of Donald Trump. It's not coming back. You're living in the past. It's not going to be happening. And so latch onto this conversation. Donald Trump needs to latch onto this conversation. This is policy that's getting done in the very state that he exists in. And there's a reason why he's already hemming and hawing and hedging because he understands that, hey, if he can raise that money and get it behind DeSantis, there's a chance to take back this state. And there's a place for Donald J. Trump. And I certainly hope that he decides that he wants to take that doubt. And uh, this is a great stuff that's coming out of DeSantis uh, once again and why Florida continues to lead the charge against all the other states. Even Texas, he's doing better than the Texas governor. He's, uh, what other Republican governors uh, who are out there? You can't say anything for the new Virginia governor uh, who, who's in there. That's just part of the trend. Florida is leading the way. Uh, how many new congressional seats will Florida have, Dowd? I believe they're at 28. Can you uh, double check my math on that? 27 right now, so I think they picked up two. Um, they they picked going. up two, and, okay. And, and your point about the other, other governors is interesting because I, I've seen a couple of writers pick up on this, and I, I hadn't, which is, you know, there's a lot of, in the GOP, there's a lot of people, several people considered these superstar governors, Christy Nome, uh, a lot of people like the guy in Texas, um, even Tate Reeves down in Mississippi, who was working on the repeal uh, of the income tax and was stabbed in the back by his own Republicans. Boy, that's a common theme. Uh, they're not, you know, maybe they're good on some issues. DeSantis seems to be good on every issue. Uh, and to have the kind of boldness that he does, a couple of weeks ago, Tucker Carlson did a profile of Utah's governor. This guy is the biggest CRT race coward. His name is Spencer Cox, I think it is. Um, he's the anti-Ron DeSantis. Ron, Ron DeSantis uh, does the right thing and doesn't apologize for it. And, you know, I don't do hero worship. I don't like politicians, but um, we haven't seen a guy like this in some time, Eddie. And um, I don't know. I'm uh, For me to say, for me to hold any politician in, in high regard, that is, uh, that is very, very rare. And I do think, you know, if you're a Republican and governor and you're planning for the future, you might run for the Senate, you might run for president someday, you're going to look pretty pale. I mean, DeSantis is so far out in front setting that pace. Uh, you got to pick up the slack there, Abbott and Christie and, and a bunch of you other ones. I'm sorry. You're not uh, you're not doing nearly as well as Ron DeSantis. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for Florida, which is where I'm at. I'm here in uh, Plymouth Hotel right here in Miami Beach, and uh, it's anything but a recession out here. I'm telling you, folks, like you can't get reservations anywhere. People are out. They're enjoying their life. They're having a good time, and uh, people are enjoying their real estate uh, as well. They're enjoying the good economy that continues to be protected here because, remember, it's ultimately more about the state than it is about the uh, entire country. There might be some benefits from living in 
in a government dependent uh, state, but I don't know what those are uh, in New Mexico. Uh, but some of you actually do. Uh, back after a quick break, Dowd, when we return, what's up next on the docket? I'll do a little bit on Rona, and be, but before we get to that, we're going to talk about a lesson in McCarthyism in Michigan, in the government school in Michigan that didn't uh, didn't get a lot of good press, and I think it's uh, a little concerning. All right, we'll do that when we return. We appreciate everybody tuning in this afternoon. 521 right here in the Kiva, AM 1600 KIV, ABQ.FM, from the Plymouth Beach Hotel here on South Beach in Miami, where it's currently 721 p.m. Glad to be broadcasting from here back and forth. What, what is this? A little Muzak uh, here in the Kiva. I'm certainly not feeling that way. We are uh, hard at it. That's already very good stuff. Um, Eric, if you can hear me, make sure you uh, turn off Dowd's mic during the uh, break. We can hear Dowd, like, all the hard work that he's doing uh, during the break time. He's pecking away at his keyboard there. But uh, we, we like hearing that. That makes us comfortable. Oh, that's a big wooly dog that's uh, right here. And you guys can see this kind of stuff. So you can see. Look at that. I don't know if you can see. Look, Dowd, we got a we got ourselves a nice nice dog there. You see that? Oh no! Okay. Hey, look at the size of that animal. Of there you go. Oh. <laughs> well, way too much fur, if you. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. All right, uh, turn down the old music there, if you don't mind. Dowd's uh, Dowd's mic check. Okay, got that. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, tuning in, broadcasting from the Plymouth Hotel here on this. Uh, Tax Day, uh, April the 18th, folks. Uh, yes, I don't know if you know that or not, but taxes are due today. And then I guess in a couple of other places, they're due tomorrow. I guess Massachusetts uh, treats this day as Emancipation Day or Patriots Day or I don't know. There's a lot of different holidays all floating around the same time. I get a little bit uh, confused. Uh, here we go. Yes, I'm picking DeSantis because Trump has a stigma that will continue to follow him. There are too many Americans that will vote against him based on the name alone without ever realizing his substance. There it is, folks. Plus, I don't want another 78-year-old president regardless of the party. It's simply too old. Boy, uh, doubt. I think we agree with that. See, I'm getting, uh, let's see, I guess this was just sent out by the campaign that I was mentioning before. Um, 
for County Commissioner. We have excellent news. We're going into the Republican primary just seven weeks away. My team and I were able to raise significantly more funds with compared to my Republican opponent. However, my Democrat opponent is still leading us in fundraising. We need your help. We have found a donor who is willing to match any and all donations to a limit of $5,000. Wow. Uh, how do you limit and match all donations? Uh, what, what do you do? What does that even mean? So for every person who donates $5,000, he's going to match every $5,000 donation? That makes absolutely no sense. This is an incredible opportunity for our campaign to not only close the gap on my Democrat opponent, but to surpass their campaign funding. Wait, you still have a primary to get to? That's just absolutely stupid stuff. Like, you have to understand, when you're running a campaign, learn how to run the campaign. Eddie, you should make a little red chili stuff so papilla, jump on the 95, and take... Juan up to Donald. Hey, how's it going? How's the weather here? Uh, it's uh, pretty good. I should say that. Let's see. I don't know. if Can you guys still see me, Dad? Can you see me? Uh, I just see a black screen. <laughs> okay. Well, I should probably turn this off because I'm reading uh, text messages. So let me, uh, I was wondering about that. There we go. Now you see me. Now yep. you see me. Now you don't. Shake and bake. See, there's a magic man, right? Is that the Shake and Bake Magic Man type of thing? That's the most ridiculous movie I think I've ever seen. All right. Uh, Eddie, if you have some time for history, head up to the Atlantic Coast and visit St. Augustine. I don't have a car, no rental car, so we're just on the beach. I am remembering my Florida days, so that's funny. That's uh, You guys are very nice to share all this stuff. Eddie, I should have stated that it doesn't matter where the funds come from. It was a curiosity thing. I'm between Greg and Rebecca, but we'll vote for whoever I think has a chance of replacing Michelle. The questions are really great, Dowd, so... That's what uh, doing. Uh, Eddie, enjoy free America. Yes, it is free. Let's talk about free America, a place where we're not going to have the uh, masking mandates uh, once again would be Florida. But we got some new coronavirus news coming in by way of several universities and doubt uh, the ridiculousness will continue wherever we allow it to do, which is why you have to continue to fight for your freedoms, folks. Um, and if you stop fighting for them, they will take those freedoms away. We know that already. Dowd, what's the latest on the corona? Well, as Eddie mentioned earlier in the show, uh, it's not just Philly. We're seeing, you know, it's not governments en masse, and it's not even New Mexico, which you'd think would be one of the first governments, but little bits here and there, uh, school districts in a couple of states, including Vermont, uh, universities, you know, major universities, Georgetown, my alma mater, George Washington, uh, Johns Hopkins, Columbia, I think it was today, reimposed the masks. So I think it's starting to sort of you know, not, there's not a massive wave, but it's trickling in and we need to really ride herd uh, on these people. And the reason why, if we didn't know it already, the last two years of uh, difficulty, my sister sent me a great link to a piece that ran. I don't even know this website. It's a it's a G, it's called GBN, Great Britain's News Channel. And it was a great, great essay by a guy named Mark Dolan. Uh, and I guess he caught someone saying uh, over in the UK, some National Health Service official saying COVID isn't over. And I just, this paragraph is, is great, Eddie. Uh, well, I've got news for you, baby. It will never be over. Which is why living with this virus and accepting it as we do with all the other ailments is the only option. And I will take no lectures from the National Health Service chiefs. Our frontline doctors and nurses, porters, cleaners, you name it, are incredible. But the management effectively turned the National Health Service into the National COVID Service for two years, ignoring far worse illnesses like cancer. Uh, and I've actually linked to some articles about people not getting the treatment and the early screening they needed over there. Uh, with a waiting list, some fear will reach 12 million. The health impact from the National Health Service's reaction to the virus will, in my view, be far worse than the virus itself. The messaging from the COVID zealots is universal and is almost a script. 
the pandemic is far from over. Well, that's not much of a pandemic, is it? Once you've got to keep reminding the public, it's there. Of course, it's still there because these people never want it to end. And, and, and I really like this. COVID is now an industry. Think of the billions of organizations around the world, uh, the billions of organizations around the world are making from this largely mild virus. Vaccine manufacturers, mask manufacturers, the producers of PPP equipment, testing companies, ventilation units, the outlets that make those horrific plastic screens for shops and offices, uh, the billions of liters over here would be gallons of sanitizing fluid, which I think is actually bad for your health. It's all a total money spinner, a racket. And what I like about this essay, and there's a great book called Crisis in Leviathan by Robert Higgs. He's a historian where he traces the evolution of big government in America. There was a time when we didn't have big government in America. And as he said, as the title is, it's Crisis and Leviathan. Leviathan doesn't happen all on its own. It seizes upon a crisis and then it realizes, it assumes power, it gets funding, it realizes what a benefit it is to the people who benefit from the, those systems, that whole architecture, all that spending. And this isn't just government. This, these are entities that are subsidized the, through government in, in the private sector, and it never goes away. The crisis may go away, but the freedoms you give up, the money that you pour into the big government monster, those stay on. For years and years and years and decades and decades and decades, and nobody ever really reassesses it. And I think this author's warning, uh, well, his assessment is 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 really true. It, it it even if it was, and I question that, even if it was about public health at the beginning, it's now a business, an industry, a religion, a cult, and they can't let it go back. We, we, they can't let it go back to what it was. So I think that's what we're starting to see, this trickling in of the mask mandates. Just just think about what it's going to be like in October and November when the respiratory illnesses kick in as they do annually. Uh, maybe we get through the summer relatively unscathed, but winter will be coming. They can't let go, Eddie. It's too good a deal for too many people to give up. That is uh, certainly something that's happening. Ironically enough, where you're sister has sent the article from what's really interesting is today scotland has decided to lift all of its covid restrictions oh. so there's there is no restrictions at all in scotland i was talking to people a guy who is from uh, birmingham city as i mentioned at the beginning of the show uh by the way i love british accents I, every single guy literally is speaking like russell crowe it's got that great manly you know sort of even though i know russell i know he's from australia but whatever but it's got that kind of like feel to it and you know his response is the same as my response um, unfortunately, the difference is, is he works for somebody where he was forced to get the vax. And he says that him and all, and he's, you know, he travels the world, does all these things for his company. But in order for him to keep his job, he had to go ahead and do it. He says, it's mind numbing. Now all the people who are telling him to get the vax are now saying, no, 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 we don't have to do it. Except for, of course, the very people at the very, very top, because there's a form of control and culture. I was on a conference call earlier for another large radio group. I think I told you about that doubt. And they're literally just it's it's all about behavioral modification they're the the title of their conference call and i'm not even i'm not even kidding was health crisis response it had the name of the company health crisis response and they literally have a conference call where everybody is forced to be in that they're using that as behavioral modification and that control the command and control and this is the way it is that messaging will continue to pound away at the culture that's internal and it's either you're part of that culture 
culture or you're against that culture. What we're finding, however, as you and I are both finding, is that culture is dissipating quite quickly. So if you're in it, it will end at some point. The problem becomes is how much will you be willing to sort of penalize yourself? And if you're not in it and you're willing to go ahead and jump on board with it, how, how much is it going to uh, impact your independence and or your health? We had that great show on, on Friday. I don't know how much of that you were able to actually listen to. I know that must have been difficult for you, Dowd, but the whole snake venom thing. Uh, at the end of the show, I mean, I would probably call that particular show, how do you want your venom? Do you want the venom uh, COVID? Do you want your venom uh, to be injected in you? Uh, do you, uh, like, how is it that you're going to essentially take your venom? And the parallels to me, I was I was debating upon whether or not to play that because a lot of people would immediately come in, well, this is the Q stuff. Well, just think about this. It's the same for conservative radio. Just like it is for other people that are that are out there, you know, embracing COVID culture, it's like the there's a, a whole frame of mind, and we did it for a long time. Is we were talking a lot about Corona, and how do you get people all hopped up on on anything that you're doing? Focus on the subject of the day. So it's just not for liberals. It's not just the control. It's not just another industry. There's also an entire industry that's talking about it, and that happens to be what we talk about, and it fuels that as well. So I think it's important for everybody to pay attention just how much it's consuming people, how much it's consuming our behavior, how much it's consuming what we spend, where we spend it, how we spend it. It has redefined, as you know, Dowd, I think our entire culture. And, you know, I there's something that, and finally I'll say this, there's that's actually started to occur to me is, you know, you know, we're in the middle of a world war when you're more worried about the people that you're working with uh, are forcing you to your own behavioral modification. And by that, I mean, you could imagine if you're the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, and you're not, you're not, um, you know, a COVID believer, you're a COVID denier. Who's to say, what's to say that people within your own company, battalion, in your own unit wouldn't be able to, to go ahead and turn the gun on you if quote unquote, COVID is truly that legal. I mean, truly that uh, lethal doubt. If it was that lethal, isn't it more lethal than the gun itself for the true believers, for the true believers, wouldn't they turn around and decide to kill somebody in their own unit? I think it's just something that I just tossed out there that I think it's something that, that people should contemplate. Well, the one thing I, I will give, I, I tried to scare people a little bit about the return of lockdown, but I, the one thing that I will, I think give, should give all of us hope, Eddie, and we saw an example of this, uh, I put it in the Daily Blast. Uh, we're, we're a long way from New York and New Mexico, but don't forget where our governor takes her cue. She takes her cue from the coastal Democratic deep blue elites. And according to Governor Kathy Hochul, this was in the New York Post, and she's she was, I didn't, I wasn't keeping too close a track of this, but apparently she is the nominee for governor. Uh, now, you know, she took over for... Uh, Mr. Cuomo, who had a little bit of a COVID issue and a Me Too issue and a couple of those things, uh, she said she was adamant. I guess over the weekend, I'm not going to shut it down again. You can count on that. She was talking to uh, an interview on uh, this is on television interview on Sunday. "Quote: I'm going to protect the health of New Yorkers, but I'm also protecting the economy. I'm not going to shut it down again. You can count on that. That is a pretty uh, intense." Uh, comment for don't forget they're in the camp where we only look at the numbers has nothing to do with our personal preference or our power crazed nonsense so if the numbers start to look bad in new york she's already promised i'm not going to shut she's put herself in quite a bind uh and that suggests to me eddie that the polling data in new york 
are very, very bad uh, on lockdown. Maybe they are in New Mexico for all we know. Um, I'm trying to give people hope because we do have the continuing threat. But when you have as big a name as the governor of New York saying, I'm not going to shut it down again, you can count on that. That's a little bit of glimmer of sunshine for those of us who want to forget the last two years of our life. Um, I think that's indicative. Yeah. I don't even think you need to take the poll. Just based upon what she's saying, she has it. It's baked in into her statement. So we know what the numbers that are baked in as well. I think you're 100% accurate on that. Uh, it's not polling well. It's not doing well. And if she's more worried about protecting the economy instead of people's health, I think it tells you that there is nothing to worry about with regard to COVID. There is no health to be protected. The whole thing is concocted, contrived. We know it's man-made. We know at this point exactly, uh, you know, what the problems are with with any and all of it. And we have basically modified our behavior, essentially nothing uh, for the last couple of years. As far as I'm concerned, you you take what you want. There is certainly people who have passed away from COVID. But, you know, in my opinion, I don't know if it's from COVID or with COVID, because based upon the remdesivir and the venting that we've heard now i think i'm uh, in the 87 percent death rate that you have with ram and covid with the venom i think that seems to be much more logical in fact i was talking to somebody at a pool at the pool today she had lost her father it was very interesting and as soon as i said he was rammed to death he was rammed and vented to death immediately she agreed she didn't wow. even hesitate. Yeah, we got into that and a lot more. She also the truth, uh, the truth is leaking out. It, it is. Two and, years. <laughs> and this wouldn't be somebody who would just take the bait. Uh, these are people who, you know, and we're not adamant about you know stating this. We're not going and trying to convince people. We're simply stating uh, based upon what we're seeing. Five fifty fifty five hundred. If you want to go ahead and call in, we'll take your calls, and I'll be happy to talk with you. Uh, Dowd, uh, what's up next? Uh, yeah, after the break, Eddie, I think we're going to talk about my brilliant, brilliant piece posted just a couple hours ago at rockoftalk.chat. New Mexico continues to pretend that it is a space state, and the Albuquerque Journal is pushing more of that, uh, well, the hype more than the reality. All right, let me guess. Is that uh, our good friend Kevin Robinson Avila? I imagine that it no, is, right? It's, the, it's even oh. worse. It's the editorial page. And they probably learn from Kevin Robinson Avila. So okay. That probably explains the ignorance. <laughs> wow. No, there's a, they're nonstop. The propaganda is 24-7. They're just hoping that it, you don't listen to the Rock of Talk with Dowd and Eddie each and every day here in the Kiva. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. 542, back in four, AM 1600 KIV, rockoftalk.com, broadcasting from the Plymouth Hotel, as you guys can see there. Oh, don't worry. It's not that it's not as swanky as you might hope it is, but it is, uh, in my opinion, one of the best hotels that is. Is around we appreciate uh, all, all of you guys for tuning in this afternoon i highly recommend it if you guys are looking for a vacation Mamá, yo quiero saber de dónde son los cantantes. Pepa tiene un camisón que baila solo una danza. Desde chiquita la pa.
When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's amore. When the world seems to shine like you've had too much wine, that's amore. Uh, I I don't know. Is Dean Martin from Miami? Well, what's the what's the connection here? I don't know what he's talking about, but. Uh, uh, he's talking about, oh, we got the dogs barking out here in the Kiva as well. We got a couple of callers on hold. We'll get to those shortly. As always, you can pick up uh, everything directly at rockoftalk.chat. That's rockoftalk.chat. That's some good stuff, uh, by the way. Who doesn't love uh, little uh, Dean Martin there? All right, let's take a couple of quick calls. Caller, you were in the Kiva. Go ahead. Good evening, everyone. The whole thing is what they refer to as mission creep. Incrementalism has been the tool of life ever since there was a lot. Through Marx, Mussolini, Hitler, all those people, it was just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, and it snowballed and snowballed people where local places Italy and Germany and other countries ended up Say, okay, we surrender. Okay, we're voting for this. Sounds like a bit like Mitt Romney. And uh, it's very eerie the way things are going right now in this part of the 21st century because it seems to be a repeat of 1920 to 1943. I don't look forward to the results of all this. What are y'all thinking? Well, I don't think it's inevitable for one. Um, two, I wish I appreciate the uh, phone call, Dave. Um, and you can go ahead and uh, uh, kind of go from there. Uh, drop the call if you don't mind, Eric. Uh, but to you know, respond to what it is, I don't think of it as an inevitability. I think Dowd, you would probably agree. Uh, I don't know that we could do what we were doing if we thought that all of this was you know this fate, fatalistic, conclusive, you know inevitability that we can't escape because it's designed this way. Like, I just don't think of things in terms of that. I mean, you don't give anybody any hope um, with that type of thinking. You don't give anybody any sort of like uh, credence for any new ideas to be interjected. I mean, we're talking about new candidates, uh, people like DeSantis instead of Trump or instead of what we've had in the past. And I think that that's important. And that's part of, you know, getting, if you will, our mission creep, which is to get you to think differently than the ways that things have been. You know, there isn't the one silver bullet. There isn't the one politician. There isn't the one tried and true you know, a response to all this. So I don't like that type of deterministic uh, thinking whatsoever. I don't think it works for me. I no doubt it doesn't work for you, but, you know, we've got to move on to sort of uh, new types of, of, of things, uh, if you will. But, you know, we've got to try whatever it is that we're going to try, but it has to be different than what we've tried in the past. I guess we would, because if everything would have led us like that famous point in the movie, um, you know, no country for old men. If, if the things, the very things that led you to this point have led you up to this point, what was the purpose of all of these other things that you did? And that's exactly it. You try new things. You try new candidates. This is why we don't regurgitate uh, certain candidates or certain types of concepts um, because they just have not worked, I think, for us in the past. Your thoughts down if you want to respond. Well, I, I, I like, you know, Dave, Dictionary Dave will always have the historical parallel, but I, and I do think, Eddie, it's it's... 
when you start thinking that things are historically inevitable, it's kind of like, why get out of bed in the morning? And I, 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 even I, the dark, the darkness that's within me, I like to try to keep under control in a weird way. I actually take a little solace and this sounds crazy, but it's how I, it's, it's how I, uh, how I can, can bring some sanity to me, to me. There's a interesting content creator that I listen to who's, been you know banned on every platform i have to get him on all these crazy websites but he makes the point and i think it's true that trends that don't that cannot go on forever don't go on forever we're, we're looking at our cultural decline and economic collapse because of the debt because of the, the currency inflation now there's a reckoning coming the question is what do we do when the reckoning comes and are we preparing for that time uh, I, I think we're way past the point of saying we're going to get out of this with a soft landing i think it's going to be a very very hard landing it's just a question of how bad will things get? There's a lot of us, I think, who are working. We're, we're the white hat people. You know, we're trying to educate people and, and, and prepare for what's coming because we can't stop it. It's all baked in now. Uh, the, the, the reckoning, the inevitability of what's going to come. People can and they have throughout history risen to the challenge rather than sort of collapsed and let crazed dictators rule the land. Uh, I, I'm not ready to give up yet, but I certainly understand Dictionary Dave's historical parallels, because a uh, hundred years ago, there was a lot of this chaos and craziness and ideology that led to some very, very bad leaders that led to some very, very bad wars. Um, but I also, uh, at the end of the day, have to come down on the Eddie Aragon side and say we are men. And mo men, I think, are going to get us out of this more, much more than women will. Um, and we have agency. You know, we, we every day you get up and you have the little angel on one shoulder and you have the little devil on the other. And uh, don't give up the ship, Dave. Not yet. Not yet. Even I don't. Yeah, I think the other thing that's really important to talk about is conceptually, what is history? You know, is history a circle? Is history linear? Um, is it a cycle that repeats itself? Like, I've actually read up on all this. You could look at Alfred Toynbee. Um, you could look at, um, I, I mean, these are all theories of history. What is history? I mean, it's such a broad, um, very um, abstract way about thinking about things. But as human beings with 7 billion of us, uh, if history were truly circular and everything was repeating it itself and you had that concept of the world, you would inevitably get into this you know, perspective that things are only going to be so good and then they're going to get bad again and i don't believe in the cyclical even as much as it's been validated with with zanetti's uh 80 year theory on on history and there is a level of that i think that is is there i believe it becomes obstinate thinking um in that you are convinced that this is the way it is and so you become increasingly cynical and try to take advantage in time the cycles and i think that that's worse than anything um to always come out on the winning edge by you know playing the don't pass on the craps table is essentially that way of thinking i think we got to move away from that altogether and, and also, so uh, eddie you know what it also depends on what part of the planet you're on because there are times when one continent one country one empire one civilization is doing very very well on the other side of the planet somebody could be doing very poorly i have a link in the uh, daily blast today regarding the islamic culture of the seventh eighth ninth centuries i probably made a lot of my devout christian readers very angry but at a time when my irish ancestors were painting their face blue and sacrificing babies to Krom Kruak. The Islamic civilization was doing algebra and medicine and astronomy. And, you know, sometimes enlightenment fades in one area, but it lives on in another part. So I think it's just a question of how can we keep as many of those candles burning as we can.
Yeah, I like that. That's a great way about thinking about it. And um, hey, we don't have all the answers, folks, and we weren't always right. We're always not on the right side of history. Uh, Eddie, it's called mission creep. Incrementalism is the tool of the left. Identify the errors of the past. Steer away from that path. You can't steer away from the path unless you control the path. That means you have to actually win elections, folks. Uh, to the victors go the spoils, and that also includes the rewriting of history uh, as well. Eddie, it's a slam dunk for Michelle. Lujan Grisham. Since COVID, more than half of the people in Albuquerque are getting rental assistance, living rent-free in nice apartment complexes. I don't know that to be true, but we'll assume it is. Not me and many of the get-free tuition in college. What are the Republicans offering? Since you're in Florida, go to Boca Raton and say hello to my sister. She'll take you out to a good deli. Well, I mean, look at these offers I'm getting. This is uh, Eddie. Anyway, we can get Dow turned up on the app. He is always about half your volume. I appreciate that. Uh, we'll, we'll do that. Uh, Eddie, start the war already get to hear the word spike soar surge china lockdowns again coming according to reese report greg reese uh dr con artists they don't like what we played on friday sounded way too scripted for time for a few podcasts all in one week folks we just present the information uh we're not saying if we're for it or against it but i think it certainly brought new perspective and you're not going to bully me into not um, playing something uh, because so many people heard it and they really appreciated what we put out there, uh, what, regardless of whether or not they believed it. A lot of people didn't believe Dr. Yeadham when he was on. So there you go. Eddie Eisenhower warned us of the military-industrial complex. True. But that we also need to recognize the healthcare industrial complex and all its evil intent. In fact, I think that that is worse. So the mass, the next mass event will be one where the receptors have now been opened up because you've vaxxed from that RNA. And the people who took the vax will inevitably be killed. Uh, I hate to say it. They'll be killed because they took the vaccination. Mod RNA, modifying RNA, you masked. You try to, sorry about that. You try to blame somebody else. You can't blame anybody but yourself because you you decided to take the vaccination. I'll just leave it at that. And uh, who have we been? We've been right on the money since the very beginning. Versailles, the most famous Cuban restaurant in all of Miami. Appreciate that. Um, and many more. I appreciate everybody tuning in here this afternoon. We will get to Dowd's piece, plus all the news of the day in hour three. You and me, commercial free, and the Dowd makes three, 3,000 right here in the Kiva. Broadcasting from the Plymouth Hotel. I'll let you guys take a look where it's now nightfall. The sun has set, and Dowd will get you like a little glimpse of all this so you guys can see everything. And there. Palm yeah, trees. it is. Palm trees. Oh. Palm trees, cars, all the rest of that stuff. So, all right there. Back after the top of the hour news. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. AM 1600 KIV, ABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com.
Every time I think about it, I wanna cry. With palms in the devil, little kids keep coming. No way to be these in time to be young. So six in the five oh five with more four one one here for your third hour. I am Eddie Aragon, the Rock of Talk AM sixteen hundred KIVBQ FM and RockofTalk.com here with T Dowd Muska, hour three, you and me and the Dowd makes three three thousand. We're on Roku TV, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV. Don't forget podcasting on Stitcher SoundCloud and Spotify. You can download our apps at RockofTalk.tv or RockofTalk.com or for pennies a day, you can get uh, all the action over at RockofTalk.chat as uh, well. Interesting story brewing up. There it is. Uh, looks like uh, they're not willing to break the law over at Twitter, and that's probably a smart thing. If Jack Dorsey is looking to cash out and make some money, he doesn't want to be entirely stupid. Free speech has its cost. The great thing about what Elon Musk is doing is he's showing you what it costs to actually speak freely, and that's a hell of a lot cheaper than it takes uh, for... I think the rest of him and his company to try and be the richest man in the world. Uh, this isn't worth living in if we don't have the freedom of speech. So I got to tell you, it's uh, very exciting to see Elon Musk do what he does. We've got uh, Dowd's write up uh, as well. Let me read a few texts to kind of kick things off, uh, folks. This is where people come to be in the know on politics so oftentimes. I apologize if I'm not covering the Ukraine, but um, it's a war, in my opinion, that's completely and totally fabricated, fake. And uh, for a lot of people uh you don't if you don't understand where we're coming with that it's not worth covering as far as i'm concerned if you're on the ukrainian uh, wagon most people aren't they're not even talking about it there might be a war on someplace else or whatever and people are not paying attention to it um again i was on a corporate uh, phone call a little bit earlier today and you should just hear how exactly how excited they are Dowd, about the fact that Alex jones has uh, filed for bankruptcy it was literally one of the topics that they were talking about in addition to their quote-unquote corporate culture um, oh, intent of uh, keeping the masks and the lockdowns uh, coming on. Eddie, thank you for Friday evening show. You may have helped save hundreds of lives. I'd say, I'd say we probably saved a lot more than that uh, with that, folks. Um, it's amazing how they were funneled in, uh, channeled in, and I think we probably prevented a lot of people from uh, getting vaxxed and and uh, I think to, to that end, I think we probably helped uh, a lot of that. I don't think it's something that you necessarily need. Eddie, I was fascinated and horrified by Dr. Artis. It made numerous connections to my intuitions from the very start. Eddie, thank you. Then I loved the beautiful presentation by Dr. Summers. It confirmed my belief that God is the ultimate power and the evildoers will fall into their own traps. Thank you so much for both programs. Thank you for what you do. Pat and Los Chavez. You're welcome, Pat. Um, thanks for being a listener and thanks for telling other people people about it eddie anyway we can okay by the way eddie you're right again rebecca dow has the biggest balls of any of the republicans uh new mexico sun.com um by the way i think she'd be the only candidate without balls uh just uh physically speaking since uh, we guys are gonna 
uh, go there. I'll go there as well. GOP gubernatorial candidate Dow backs federal lawsuit on voter roll transparency. Average Mexicans getting shut out. Uh, State Rep- Representative Rebecca Dow, Republican candidate for governor, is voicing her support of a federal lawsuit brought by voter integrity groups seeking permission to show the public the state's voter rolls. That's exciting. Dow said that under Secretary of Toulouse Oliver, the rolls are accessible only to those willing and able to pay a costly fee to gain access, even though taxpayers cover the cost of maintaining the rolls. I didn't know that, and I'm uh, glad to hear that. And that's from the New Mexico Sun. Uh, the New Mexico Sun, if I'm not mistaken, is run by none other than Carla and Larry Sontag. They might be changing their tune um, from their move over towards Democrat. Uh, you know, they're sort of Demi- Remember, let's not forget who Carla and uh, Larry are. They both, I believe, sued the New Mexico Republican Party. Um, unsuccessfully, if I'm not mistaken, uh, on that, or maybe there was a settlement. Maybe you can look that up, Dowd, we can get the exact correct information. But they were in a lawsuit against the Republican Party uh, while Ryan Cangelosi was the chair of the Republican Party. And I thought Ryan did a pretty capable job, all things considered, uh, what he was uh, dealing with. Uh, Ryan sort of on the opposite ends of things from one uh, Jay McCluskey. Famously, both of them worked under the Susanna Martinez administration along with the uh, recently passed the late great Pat Rogers. I wasn't a fan of his, but, but he was a Rock of Top subscriber, unlike uh, any in our, any of our gubernatorial candidates. Wow, it should be stated. okay. Well, I'm great. You didn't know that, right? No, I I don't, yeah, yeah. We have Pat's so many, I don't know every single one. <laughs> yeah, Pat Pat Rogers subscribed, uh, not, not to mention he was uh, pretty adamantly on the side of uh, one um, – Manny Gonzalez, by the way, Democrat. Uh, forget but uh, the last, uh, well, the last things that Pat Rogers said, I saw him at the Republican uh, uh, Party State Convention uh, in January. He says, you know, Eddie, you ran a really great race. It just would have been better had you gotten in earlier. You would have won. That's what that's the last wow. words that, uh, yeah, that's the last words that uh, he said to me. So there you go, Dowd. Uh, let's get the release on from today. You can find it directly at rockoftalk.chat and uh, released a few hours ago. Yeah, uh, today's piece, uh, as Eddie said, available at rockoftalk.chat is on... The Space Force uh, and the Space Command, which are two different things, and it gets very, very technical. Um, let's start at let's start at the very beginning. Uh, the very best place to start, I, I believe. The federal government is very involved in space, and I have no problem with the federal government being involved in space because I like our military to have communication satellites and navigation satellites. I think it's good that the United States has a missile defense uh, program. It's, I don't think it's quite as adept as some of its PR agents will have us believe, but uh, the idea of shooting down incoming ICBMs is a very, very good idea. What a lot of people don't know is that the military's space budget actually surpassed NASA's budget in the early 1980s. People still continue to believe, wrongly, that NASA is some sort of major player in space. Uh, The commercial space sector private launching, satellites, remote sensing, uh, increasingly tourism, <laughs> not in New Mexico, <laughs> not in New Mexico, of course, but other other places. Uh, they spend the most on space. The next level is where is the military. And then NASA, civil space, is really at the bottom in those three spending categories. So uh, the military is a significant player. And there's a lot of things going on in the military space. Space. I hate that word. Everybody uses space and buckets and gaslighting. Oh, I, we just we need some new we need some new terms, and a, a big part of that. The, the word they use, the word that they uh, they use more than anything, is toxic. 
Everyone uses toxic. Toxic's very now. big. Toxic's yeah. very big. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what did I? I was at some seminar in Salt Lake one time, and the, the facilitator, we were, we were a whole bunch of Western property rights, free market people, and he he, he began the, the whole two day, three day seminar on. I am not from your space, so that's a, they're, they're, it's very very trendy. Buckets seem to be fading. I like, Synergy seems to have fell fallen away too, and I, I like that. So uh, the federal government's doing a lot of things in space. The military, i.e., the federal government is doing a lot of things in space because. Mr. Trump, our uh, former president, maybe president again. Who knows? I can't predict the future. The one we got sure as hell is no good. He set up, he reestablished the U.S. Space Command, which is uh, uh, what's called a um, unified combatant command. It's basically where different services all come together to coordinate their activities. Uh, and it was originally based in, in Colorado. We'll get into that mess later. And Mr. Trump set up what's called the Space Force. Now, a lot of people think it's a completely separate branch of the military. It's more akin, and, and some people do call it the sixth branch, branch of the military. It's more akin to the Marine Corps' uh, status kind of housed within the, the Navy, the Department of the Navy. <laughs> um, it's uh, The Air Force still does a lot more, spends a lot more, has a lot more personnel. But the Space Force, which handles is you know the prime agency for, for space in the federal government, is now under the... Um, under the Air Force's wing. So there's a new plum, economic development plum, that uh, states want, and it's called the Space Training and Readiness Command. It's part of the Space Force, and it's going to be moved somewhere. It's been provisionally housed up at an air base up in, or Space Force base, I should say, up in Colorado. But there's a competition now. A whole bunch of states are competing. And New Mexico, believe it or not, they're not going to get the whole ball of wax, but there's a couple of deltas or components of this uh, Space Training and Readiness Command, STARCOM, they call it. And New Mexico is competing with some other locales, California and uh, uh Florida to uh, to to house a couple of these deltas and the deltas are again they're they're components of this overall command structure the delta 11 which is range range and aggressor and delta 12 test and evaluation so what does starcom do they are the i guess the i don't know train i don't want to call them human resources because i don't want to insult them i respect these people they basically prepare and i'll just read from their own language they prepare combat ready forces to fight and win in a contested degraded and operationally limited environment through the deliberate development education and training of space professionals now we're going to space like it or not we're going into space and the fact of the matter is the military needs to be protecting our assets in space and observing the earth from space. And I'm, I, for one, I'm glad we have space professionals and I think we should train more of them. They also develop space warfighting doctrine and they evaluate uh, the space forces, uh, they test and they evaluate the space forces capabilities. So basically Starcom, again, Space Training and Readiness Command is going to go somewhere. It might end up leaving Colorado, it might go to California, it might go to Florida, uh, a component of it, two components of it might end up in New Mexico. And as you might guess, uh, these states have decided, the politicians in these states, that of course their states, the people they represent, are where the Starcom uh, facilities should go. I mean, that's that's called economic development. Uh, in the private sector, it's called chasing smokestacks. But uh, my point in the piece today, and I call this Starcom Wars, scrounging for the DOD's newest space subsidy, and you can get it at rockoftalk.chat, I suggest that maybe before we start the competition, the coastal competition from California to New Mexico and Colorado all the way over to Florida, maybe we should resolve the last space competition, which remains unresolved. Now, a lot of you might remember when the Albuquerque Journal and Martin Heinrich and, you know, all the usual suspects were making a big deal about the fact that U.S. Space Command, again, not the same as the Space Force. Those are two different things, even though 
politicians and journalists usually blend them all together. There, there's important distinctions between those two. When U.S. Space Command was going to be assigned potentially a new headquarters, there was a competition in Washington at the Pentagon. They solicited bids and over I believe it was 26 states in all were represented in this competition, but some states sent more than one bid for more than one metro region. It was really a unique kind of thing. The government, federal government doesn't do this kind of thing. Now, when Tesla wants to build a facility, when some server farm wants to be built somewhere, they will send out requests for proposals and all the economic development bureaucrats who are very, very content to use your money and my money to subsidize these companies. Uh, I think it's atrocious and actually the policy analysis doesn't support it. And it's actually immoral. I don't know how you can ask young poor people who are on welfare to get off welfare while at the same time you're subsidizing huge corporations. I've never grasped that, but lots of politicians think it's just wonderful. Republicans and Democrats, by the way, two, ty two types of politicians love corporate welfare, uh, Democrats and uh, Republicans. Yeah, the those are the, the two types. But what happened with the U.S. Space Command headquarters a couple of years ago, and this is during the Trump administration, so I'm I'm, I'm going after uh, the Donald on this. They announced this 50-state competition for where the U.S. Space Command would be headquartered. Now, we're talking about 1,500 jobs and then all the, the ancillary investments and jobs with that, and uh, you know, obviously that's a very big economic development prize for your location. Space Command has very smart people, civilians, Air Force people. They monitor traffic in space they 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 do remote sensing of the planet they monitor missile launches i mean these are really bright people who know command control computers satellites bright bright people you would want this in your community you you'd want these loyal good americans doing this so they had the competition uh the original criteria were shucked because a lot of politicians were mad they their their states weren't named and the pentagon said oh we're going to go redo it all over again so we had more work for bureaucrats at the pentagon and eventually they got it down to six finalists um i uh, when this competition was underway i requested from i don't know how many different requests i made to various cities and states and regional economic development organizations what they were offering to the federal government what was the incentive package how much of my money and your money are being promised to government so the government subsidizing government i still don't know how that works again the federal government had never done this before this is something big businesses do this is something that automakers do this is something that uh, big tech does they go out and they say what 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 can you give me well you know how can you subsidize my investment because i'm going to bring all these jobs to your community it's really a very very tawdry process and it was very sad to see the federal government involved in this the federal government should make the determination where U.S. Space Command should be located based on the merits alone and not dozens and dozens of incentive packages that were mailed out. The federal government, the Pentagon said, we're going to make this a very open and transparent process. We, they didn't like the original process, so we're going to open it up all over again. It ended up not being really as transparent as, uh, as well, maybe on their end it was transparent. On the local and state government end, it was not transparent. Everybody I asked, everybody, and I, I don't know how many couple dozen probably requests I sent out to cities, states, regional economic development organizations saying, hey, you know, the, the public needs to know what you're offering, what you, the government, is offering the federal government to bring Space Command to your, to, you know, to your location. Albuquerque, unsurprisingly, was part of this. They refused my, my uh, inspection of public records request. They said, oh, there's trade secrets and this is economic development. So we have a loophole in the, in the, um, in the freedom of information law. So we don't have to tell you anything, D.W. Musk and all your listeners and readers go, you know, suck an egg. I ended up getting one copy in New York 
uh, I think it was upstate New York. I got one copy of an 80 page proposal about all the things they were going to offer the Pentagon. If the Pentagon picked their location for us space command, everybody else told me to go pound sand. It was very tawdry. This is something that the private sector does. It's not something the government does. And I even reached out to a, a, a corporate welfare analyst on the left who I, to some degree, admire named uh, Greg Leroy. He has a, a union-funded organization called Good Jobs First. They attack corporate welfare the way a lot of us in the free market movement attack corporate welfare. And he, he told me uh, in an email, there is no precedent for a presidential administration stoking the economic war among the states. Now, this was back when Trump was president, so a union left-winger is basically taking a shot at Donald Trump. But his point was well taken. Historically, he said, the federal government has been laissez-faire. They do not go out and solicit all these all these uh, incentive packages. So at some point, they had to make a decision. This thing had been delayed and delayed and delayed. They announced the six finalists. And the six finalists, for some miraculous reason, although I think I know the real reason, Albuquerque was on that shortlist of the six locations picked for the U.S. Space Command. 1,500 jobs, good jobs, military people, loyal, God-fearing, God-loving American men and women coming to your community. Now, I believe, and you have to take my, uh, you have to just kind of give me a little indulgence on this, ladies and gentlemen. I have no proof that Albuquerque was purposely put on that list to make Martin Heinrich happy whereas it had no business being on that final six list because they uh, explained their criteria, what they were looking for in a community. And Albuquerque, by my reading, didn't shouldn't have even been in the top 50 list, but the Pentagon knows how to play politics. And they picked you know Colorado, New Mexico, Texas, Florida, California. Uh, Heinrich is very, very embedded in the whole uh, directed energy, uh, the Space Vehicles Directorate of the U.S. Air Force or the Space Force now at um, Kirtland. So I think they said, OK, this guy's a powerful senator who has uh, a great burning interest in having the Space Command put in his community. So let's just throw it out there. We know Albuquerque's not going to get this and we'll just put it on the list in order to make him happy. So you had those six communities and the final community was Alabama, the Redstone Arsenal, where Werner von Braun was based uh, with the ballistic missile program from the Army way, 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 way back in the day. And to this day, um, it's called uh, Marshall Space Flight Center. NASA has a space flight center there in Alabama. And I come out of, originally, out of the Northeast, particularly Connecticut, which is a heavy, heavy aerospace state. And some of my friends in the aerospace business over the years have told me about how they would be flying down to Alabama because Alabama was becoming this booming aerospace locale because it was right to work and it had low taxes and people wanted to get the hell out of the cold northeast so alabama got picked as the home for the u.s space command albuquerque martin heinrich colorado their congressional delegation california diane feinstein they're all livid they never saw alabama this backward confederacy you know just how could that have been picked as this wonderful economic development opportunity they weren't willing to give up so the Pentagon makes their decision and the uh, government accountability office, the government accountability office, which is the congressional watchdog, the, the kind of in-house auditing firm for Congress, they are charged by people from Colorado to say, you've got to study this process. We got screwed. And in fact, we know for a fact that Colorado came in second to Alabama. We don't know how far Albuquerque came. I continue to believe that it was sixth out of six, but I guess we might never know the truth about that. So the it was supposed to be over in early 2021 because the winner is picked. That's the end of the line. 
issue resolved. Well, not so much. The Colorado delegation last week sent out a, a statement basically saying, we've met with the GAO, the Government Accountability Office people. Their preliminary findings, which have not been released yet, say that the decision-making process was all screwed up. We're going to crack this open again, and we're going to open it up uh, as it should have been because this was a flawed process. Now, it did not help, you Trump supporters out there, it did not help that Mr. Trump last summer said on the Bubba the Love Sponge or whatever it was called, a show in Alabama. Oh, I personally picked Alabama to put the space command there. Okay. The Pentagon had been saying for years, wow. we're going to have wow. an open and transparent process. There's wow. no politics in this at all. And then Trump goes on a radio station and mouths off and says, I love Alabama. The reason you got, you know, you, you, you got us space command and 1500 good jobs because I personally picked Alabama after all of our our military bureaucrats have been saying, this is an impartial, objective process. It's going to be fully transparent and open. Not helpful, Mr. Trump. Kind of a dumb thing to say. So uh, I lay all this out in the piece today. And basically, if, if the process is going to be reopened, Albuquerque, I guess, technically could be allowed back into the pool for, for being selected for Space Command. I, I think that's wildly unrealistic. This the whole thing, Eddie, has been a, a mishigas, as my Jewish friends might say. It's been a disaster from the get-go. And as our friend, our union friend there said, the federal government has never chosen to participate in this smokestack chasing, hey, let's go out and find the best deal. They'll make a decision and say, we're going to put this facility in this state because it makes the most sense for whatever reason, whether it's law enforcement or the military or courts or whatever. We made our call. That's what it is. We're not going to invite all you corporate welfare bureaucrats in here to make your offers to us. So I am suggesting, given what a disaster the U.S. Space Command thing has been, it's been going on for years now, and we're about to get a report from the Government Accountability Office that might open up the process all over again. Why the hell is Joe Biden's Pentagon now opening up a whole new competitive process in order for people to compete for Star Command? This is this is insane. And so you have a, an unholy alliance, Eddie, of people in the military who are very, who seem to be very obtuse on this. And then you've got all the local and state economic development bureaucrats who live for this kind of stuff. They live for crafting incentive packages and going to conferences about how they can foster economic development in their community. This is a mess, a god awful mess. And at its core is our national security. We want the U.S. Space Force, we want the U.S. Space Command to be doing what's in the best interest of our country, our national security, not playing politics back and forth and having the Government Accountability Office reopen a process that was supposed to be non-political. And then you have the former president get on radio with Bubba the Love Sponge in Alabama and say it was my call all the way. It is a god-awful mess. And uh, what really set me off was the stupidity of the Albuquerque Journal last week crawling about, oh, we're going to compete for Star Command just the way we were competing for Space Command. This is a tawdry, ugly process. It's cost a lot of money. And I even link Eddie to an article by the guy who runs Space Command saying right now to Congress, he's a general, he's kind of an important person. He says, I need to know whether I'm staying here in Colorado or whether I'm moving all my people to Alabama. We need to do long-term planning. We're an important military asset. We do really important work. And uh, I don't even know where we're going to be living because this whole thing continues to be up in the air. This is a sorry, sorry case of federal bungling to the extreme. And the idea that the Albuquerque Journal is too stupid to know that they should be criticizing this, not talking about how wonderful it is that we're a part of this, uh, it's very, very sad. It's the reason you subscribe to Rock of Talk.chat, ladies and gentlemen. Go subscribe. 
and you will be enlightened on a very, very ugly development that's been going on for years. No one else in New Mexico will present the facts to you the way we do, and that's why you should subscribe. Thank you, Dowd. Good report. And uh, I think, moreover, to add to this, this, and maybe to question you and ask you, just up the street from our radio station, the studio, was that not the location that they had identified for Star or Space Command that they were going to be testing the satellite? Yes, there is a uh, the the Air Force Research Library. Uh, laboratory is a big facility housed in ohio but it has little policy shops all over the country so the space vehicles directorate of the air force research laboratory is housed at kirtland there's a little bit of space activity there not much a little bit and then of course the albuquerque journal when they were talking about getting space command they were saying it's it's a natural fit because the orion a satellite manufacturing facility with the thousands of jobs that's coming in we exposed that a couple of years ago, ladies and gentlemen, when Tim Keller was telling you about this wonderful economic development opportunity. Rock of Talk did the dig, dot chat did the digging and found out that it was basically a ghost. And then uh, not too many months ago, the whole thing imploded. And I sent out a very snarky, but I believe very well justified uh, announcement saying, we told you so. Um, you got Eddie, Eddie talks about the Albuquerque Journal being the uh, Chamber of Commerce newsletter. You're never going to get the truth from this go along and get along, you know, civic boosterism. Everything is wonderful. Never talk about the problems. No one ever holds these people to account. Guess what? The Rock of Talk holds these people to account. They make a lot of promises. They do a lot of wishful thinking. We bring you the truth. Doubt. I, I have to say that I think the way that it was sold to the people of Albuquerque and the state um, by and large was as a sure thing that oh, yeah. this was definitely coming here that there's 1500 jobs and you know they and this was done during keller's uh mayoral run yep. shouldn't it shouldn't it be a crime in the state of new mexico to make false claims and not knowing the whole process about what's coming because i believe that essentially i actually know and not believe but i know that tim keller used this as fodder for his campaign as to growing jobs they were talking about the orion and there was going to be bids and mm -hmm. you know my my father with his company and you know other people who are looking at this they get bids and construct there was never any plans ever issued and people could have made financial People could have made financial commitments. They could have went and bought property in the area. They could have went and done a number of things. There was obviously improvements that were done in the area. I know because I've scooted right through that whole entire area that that's there. You have new uh, roads that are there in the area. So all of these funds were spent with the idea that Orion and Starcom or Space whatever or was going to be coming here and i think at some point you know these politicians should be thrown in jail for the false claims that they've made and i think even worse is making financial commitments with public funds for the improvement in the chance that they might get that i don't think a single dollar should be spent in the efforts because those are going to be dilapidated roads by the time something actually gets done case in point this the uh the uh, spaceport in down down south we still don't really have any tenants even though tenants are supposedly there and you know we're 16 years in and we've got broken concrete you know bad runways just stuff that has to get repaired and this is just a complete and total waste of, of funds so uh, i if i'm on if i'm speaking the right thing to you this is all money that was spent as a sure thing not as well they might come it was sold to the public in new mexico 
that we've had 1,500 jobs that are coming to the state of New Mexico and the city of Albuquerque. Uh, Eddie, you make a great point. I got to say, in all my years of fighting corporate welfare, I've never heard it proposed until today. And I and I've got to kick it around in my mind for a couple of days. But I like the concept. Your 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 elected officials are making completely irresponsible statements about projects that will never happen. To the extent that there's any economic consequences of that, people in the real world, not the political world, the real world, who you know, cash on the barrelhead world, uh, to the extent that they are making decisions and end up being harmed by that. Maybe there's a role for some legislation there because uh, it, it, you're talking about ex, you know, irresponsibility in the extreme. Uh, you mentioned tenants at Spaceport America. I, I take another shot at the Albuquerque Journal today in the piece because as recently as November 2020 in an editorial, they said that SpaceX, SpaceX Elon Musk's company, was a tenant at Spaceport America as recently as November 2020. Elon was at Spaceport for like four months in 2016 and took off. He didn't want anything to do with it. And people on the Albuquerque Journal's editorial board still believed as recently as November 2020. Eddie, they may still believe it right now that it, that Elon is operating at a Spaceport America and nothing has ever happened there. But it's much different when a politician says something. On the issue of the Orion satellite manufacturing facility, I'm one guy. I'm just a, some schmuck. I conducted my own investigation. I reached out to a lot of people in the commercial space, business press, who are more, more knowledgeable about the satellite industry than I am, they had nothing to tell me. They basically indicated, I, I don't know anything about this company. Nobody knows anything. I did as much digging about their financials as I could. There wasn't a lot of information, but it was very clear. This was a fly-by-night, wishful thinking, betting on the com company, and it really had no formal existence at a time when the city was saying, wonderful opportunity. We're going to become the new hub of space manufacturing in Albuquerque for the nation. N utter nonsense. So uh, you, as always, uh, are an in innovator. You've planted a seed in my mind. And uh, maybe in the weeks and months ahead, I need to come up with some draft legislation to address this problem. <laughs> well, I mean, there's penalties for free speech. People have gotten kicked off Twitter or Facebook or whatever for saying something. I think there needs to be penalties for politicians who make claims. And I think they would be akin to slander. So if you suggest that you are doing something that you clearly are not or haven't done, I think you should be held accountable for the the, the types of things that come out of your mouth because you are A, on the record, and B, you know, there should be a newspaper radio tv of record that would hold you accountable for that you made this claim so for example i'll bring out the worst of these i'm 4.6 percent black right i could come out and show you the the paper but if i came out and i said well i'm 4.6 percent black and i couldn't back it up right well then there's no paper then you have to you'd have to be you wouldn't be able to make that claim i just think that the time has come based upon all the misleading information like it's not enough to be able to not trust these guys we already don't trust them but we know that these guys will do anything to get elected tim keller michelle lujan grisham heck any of the republican candidates like they will say and do anything and so there could be no truth or real accountability when it comes to anything because these guys ultimately just want to go ahead and get a seat and a job and a, and a stroke on their ego and a notch in their belt as far as as far as we we know you know yep. uh, i just i just i just think that we can somewhere somehow if a false claim is made by a politician and this is a case where hey we're bringing 1500 jobs and immediately following the the um the election being done. Oh, well, it was never the case. So people believed all this crap and he got elected anyway. So this is something that if, if, if we could somehow get through, this would be great. And, you know, I, I believe that 
any of the candidates who are running should be running around with the voting record like staple to their forehead um, with some level of record of what they've done, how they've accomplished it, and where we know what we know. And and I would also go so far as to say, which I've done because the vaccine, I know a couple of the people who are running, you know, they're like, oh, I'm not vaxxed. I'm not vaxxed. I'm like, get under a lie detector test. Take it for me. You know, I know that you are because you told me you were vaxxed, you idiot. Like, I, I don't want to get into this, but I think it's the right move on behalf of the people of the state of New Mexico. And I think it would be a winner. Well, your accountability and consequences, to, to, to emphasize this all the more, Eddie, and the distinction between government lack of accountability and consequences and private sector accountability and consequences you experience on a daily basis. I'm going through two big lawsuits right now. Thank God I'm not the one being sued. They are uh, shareholder lawsuits against Richard Branson and Chamas Palacios. Bingo. Bingo. They are based, Eddie. They are based yep. 100% on the things they said on Bloomberg and CNBC interviews and the things that they were credited with saying in press releases, okay? Chamath Palapati a couple years ago said, we believe that our technology at Virgin Galactic is light years ahead of the competition. Light years. Blue Origin, their chief competitor, is a privately held company. Nobody knows really at the end of the day what's going on at Blue Origin. He had no... I mean, he was insane to say that and mislead people. And now we know how much better Blue Origin is doing. So we have two, I mean, they're hundreds of pages long, these lawsuits. It's really kind of interesting um, for someone who's not in the financial world. They had a fiduciary responsibility to give investors and potential investors the truth. They did not. They're being sued in a class action by, by shareholders, of which I am one and I own one share. That's my big status as a shareholder. And then there's another lawsuit that that's piggybacks on the shareholder lawsuit in which the a shareholder says, we have to, uh, we're suing the board directly because you people profited with insider trading, with knowledge that the planes and the, the rocket plane was falling apart. At the same time, you were saying how wonderful everything was. They're in a hell of a lot of trouble at Virgin Galactic. I know Kevin Robinson Avila is too stupid or too lazy to know this, but I know it and the readers and the listeners know it now. Um, that's the distinction between the private sector and the public sector. They are being held to account in the Eastern District of New York in federal court <laughs> in a way that Tim Keller will never be held to account. Well, the best we can do in the short term, ladies and gentlemen, rockoftalk.chat, we hold them accountable uh, as uh, hard as we can. Because let me tell you, these people are reckless and irresponsible, and they behave in these manners and do these things with mostly your money. Well, it is our money and it's compulsory. And this is all something that's taken, you know, from the tax base and it's invested in this company. And the people who are responsible for that obviously are going to be held accountable in Richard Branson and Shamal Talapatia. But it should be the same exact thing for the politicians as well. Let's hit the top five, shall we, Dow, to wrap the show? Don't forget, you guys can all subscribe directly at rockoftalk.chat. Excellent third hour doubt. I appreciated it very much. And I think we should definitely investigate uh, how we can go ahead and do that. And this would be something that every single politician, Republican and Democrat alike, would be totally against. Um, you know, I'm sitting here racking my brain, doubt on just how much I despise and hate every one of these politicians who do these types of things. But it's precisely why we did what we did and why we were able to do what we did. And uh, I mean that for the people who voted for me and got behind me in running for that. But this is exactly why, because this stuff is one big fat zero from politician to politician. And I think we're seeing that in every one of these races from county commissioner right on up to the governor this time around. These guys don't have records. They have no background and there's nothing. That, and where were these guys during the entire time for COVID or any? 
any of this stuff. And it's, I think we, we just need to stay on it. So let's see what, uh, if there's any precedent for this, for politicians lying publicly and making claims and see if anybody's ever even actually tried to sue them. I think uh, David would refer to it as uh, this uh, formal uh, process of racketeering. He, he loves to use the racketeer uh, label uh, quite often. Let's get to the top five, shall we? Yeah, you do that racketeering outside of politics and you go to jail. You do it in public service and uh, you get reelected. Uh, Rocket Talk. Oh, I know I got into some heavy, uh, heavy, heavy stuff in terms of the Space Force and the Space Command folks. It's all spelled out at rockettalk.chat, uh, but you got to subscribe in order to read the breakdown. Uh, number one, uh, your choice for uh, what was most popular today in the Daily Blast. Uh, two uh, teenagers killed in Roswell, I think 15 and 16 year old. Really kind of a sad story, Eddie. I included it because it's so rare to hear that kind of violence outside of uh, Albuquerque. Kind of a Sad story. Uh, number two, that great essay on how COVID is now an ideology, a cult, and an industry uh, over, thanks to my sister over in the UK, because I think it applies here and there. Uh, number three, how to raise an anti-racist baby. Uh, we didn't have time today. Maybe we'll get to it tomorrow. It was uh, very, very good. Number four, the Los Angeles mayoral race. Turns out, even in the bluest of blue cities, People don't want buildings being burned down and uh, trains being robbed. And uh, they actually like kind of peace and calm. They want that in their city. And a former Republican is running even with a far left Black Lives Matter Democrat because people care about crime. They want to be safe in their homes, even in even Los Angeles. Can you imagine that? And number five, uh, the governor of New York says she will not be bringing back COVID-19 lockdowns. Do you believe her? Do you believe that her counterpart in New Jersey might or might not? Only time. We'll tell. That's the top five, Eddie. All right, Dowd. I was just lighting up the end of the show. Eric, great job on the show. I appreciate uh, you and everything that you're doing. Bravo on everything. I'm broadcasting live from the Plymouth Hotel in uh, South Beach, Miami. Very excited to be doing so, where the people are very nice. And there is no recession. And your governor is a governor with $109 million and will likely be your next president uh, if things persist the way they're doing. I don't even know how you can hit a target if you can't say his name. And if you ask anybody who the governor of Florida is, do a little experiment. Uh, see if see if they'll be able to tell you who it is and the the likelihood of that happening is next to zero 27 electoral votes uh for florida it will be the difference in 2024 you win florida uh you win the you win the entire country and that's exactly what desantis uh will likely do i bet he'll be up to 200 million uh before too long thanks everybody for tuning in see you bright and early tomorrow 4 p.m right here in the kiva am 600 fm rockoftalk.com eric take us up
This is the Rocker Talk on AM 1600 KIVA Albuquerque.